Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and I'm stoked to bring you this one with the real legend of the action sports game, Steve Astafin. He is the founder of the family, and he's pretty much the first ever, I guess you could say, action sports agent. He's been in the game for over 25 years. Uh, started off in snowboarding, uh, and then kind of just expanded out into the action sports world. He was like Dave Mirror. Uh, Ryan Nyquist, Travis Pastrana, Kerry Hart, just the the list goes on. Um, then he merged with Casey Wasserman at Wasserman Media Group and then like 19 years later um, has gone out on his own again with the family V2, now representing guys like Adam Cincerello, Chase Sexton, Ken Roxon, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, the list goes on. Uh, Steve is a guy that I've known for a really long time. Uh, and I always really just enjoyed, just enjoyed any time I was around him, I guess like the level of insight that he has into, into the, the world that we're all super into. Um, and just himself as a character, he's just a guy that I always just really enjoyed. Uh, I guess just knowing if, if that's a, a way to describe it. This was definitely an extremely enjoyable podcast to record, uh, and I hope that you guys really uh, enjoy listening to this one as well. There's a ton of really cool stuff um, that we go into, uh, so look, I'm not going to spoil too much of it. Uh, before we get into that, though, just some messages that we need to bring y'all. Uh, this is the public feed uh, of the Gypsy Tales podcast. There is a private RSS feed um, or I guess a, a member feed if you are subscribed to uh, our membership website, which is gypsytales.com. There's a link in the description. Uh, this is a brand new endeavor for us, but already we've been posting a bunch of shows. I think the Steve Astafin one was posted last Friday. Um, so everything's going up there early um, and without any ads. So there's a bunch of other cool benefits if you have a cruise through the website. Don't want to take up too much of your time here. Um, but the money we make there pretty much goes straight back into making uh, more and hopefully better content for you guys. We're also brought to you by the guys at Manscaped and Happy New Year from the guys at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. 
Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in Below the Waist Grooming have you covered for your much-needed resolution of bringing sexy back. I'm one of those guys that's trying to bring sexy back for this year. You can join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com slash gypsygang and use that code to get 20% off plus free shipping. Let us have a toast for the new year, a new you, and a new you with no gross pubes sticking out the top of your bonds. A big part of 2022 was my, well, I should say 2021 and 2022, really. Since Manscaped jumped on board with us, my uh, male grooming routine has definitely stepped up. Uh, and look, I've experienced some, uh, I've experienced some good things as a result of that, I guess you could say. So instead of new year, new you, let's go new year, new balls with the grooming leaders in below the waist grooming this year, take your package to the next level with their performance 4.0 package and other premium wet goods inside that performance package 4.0. You'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0 with the advanced skin safe technology that reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It also comes equipped with a 400k LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2023 looks to be. You also get the travel bag, the anti-chafing boxes as a free gift. Uh, and look, this travel bag has come in quite handy for me last year. Get all of this 20% off with free shipping just by inserting the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code gypsygang. Time to feel sexy and feel free in 2023 with Manscaped. We're also brought to you by the guys at SSRVs in Southern California. They are a full delivery and setup trailer rental agency. Uh, and they're more than just a trailer travel rental company. Uh, they're an extremely valuable resource uh, when it comes to any holiday that you're going on or event that you've got to be at uh, where the experience would be greatly enhanced by a full service RV. And that's without the hassle of having to tow it there, um, own the thing, uh, do the gray water, all the stuff, all the negatives that are associated with rent, uh, with having an RV um, is taken completely out of the picture when you rent with the guys and girls at SSRV. Uh, delivery is available in most California locations um, and mostly in the Southern California region, uh, places like Glamis, Johnson Valley, Stoddard Wells, Pirates Cove, uh, and all of the Southern California motocross tracks. Uh, some of the tracks regularly allow overnight camping um, and others only allow them when there's a race, uh, but there is a trailer for you. Uh, I think we're going to do this at World Vets England, Helen, this year. Uh, so look up the guys at SSRVs. So make sure you hit up the guys at SSRV Rentals on 928-916-9988. That's 928-916-9988 or visit SSRVRentals.com. We're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile here in Australia. You can head to boost.com.au. Uh, I've been running Boost since 2018, pretty much since we started this podcast. And 
I've honestly never looked back. I do the uh, the the biggest plan that you can get. I just whack that on, and it lasts me a year. Uh, it's so much cheaper in my mind than dealing with the the ongoing plans and all of the all the nonsense that uh, comes with that. I mean, I've definitely I feel like everyone's been kind of caught out with that in the past they also do refurb phones as well so i just grab a new one of those every year and honestly it just takes care of all of my mobile needs uh they're also doing a massive push on international roaming right now you can get roaming in 40 plus countries for just uh for less than three dollars a day so all of that info is at boost.com.au uh search their international roaming packages and just see if that's right for you uh, on a trip that you've got coming up we're going to be doing a bunch of traveling this year so that international roaming is going to come in handy for us boost.com.au once again i can't rave about these guys highly enough we're also brought to you by the guys at mx store you can head to mxstore.com.au the leaders in dirt bike parts and accessories hands down by far in oz uh if you are not able to get into their burly superstore uh, you can just order before 2 p.m. and you get same-day shipping. So it's kind of just like you were there anyway. Once again, that's mxstore.com.au. We're also brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. You can head to crushoz.com. Uh, and I would recommend starting with their bike care bucket. That's their one-stop shop. It's kind of like the Manscaped thing. It just all comes in like one handy container and then you just work your way through it. Uh, it's definitely taken all of the guesswork out of washing a bike for me. It kind of just saves time too. Everything's just right there. It's already ready to rip. Just get the bucket out, run through once, uh, once over of all the products and your bike looks mint. We are also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com. Use code GYPSYGANG for 15% off there. That code is also going to work at fisthandwear.com. And if you call Kyle at Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton, you need a new or used vehicle, tell me one of the Gypsy Gang, he is going to hook you up. That's it for me. Thank you for bearing with that. Appreciate all of our awesome sponsors going into this new year. We have some really cool content coming up over the next few months planned, uh, really for the rest of the year. We're, We're like super ahead of it this year. So very excited. Thank you very much. Enjoy this episode. It's growing and you're killing it. Yeah, it's pretty wild. What was that, Alex? Oh, we're good. Is uh, can you ask Anthony if he's rolling on your end? Anthony, are we rolling on our end? He's not in the room. Right- yep, yep, we are. Cool. We're rolling on our end. Oh, all right. I didn't even know we were live. Sorry, just waiting for to record on our end. No worries. We're good. All right, Steve Astafin joins Gypsy Tales, mate. This is uh, this is one of my podcasts. When I started this, I always wanted to do it, knew I'd do it, uh, and I'm stoked. We're actually uh, it's it's finally happening. So we, we saw each other in Melbourne, and we we're like, wait, let's let's make this happen. So I appreciate. It. I know you're a very busy dude too. So I appreciate the compliment. I bet you say that to everybody though. Nah, nah. Trust me. There's a there's a few like you know you start a you start a new thing like you start with a blank sheet of paper. I'm like, righto, Gypsy Tales. I'm going to do this podcast. These are these cool people that have these cool stories and yeah. So you're one of the people that was on the original list of Gypsy Tales. So well, thanks. I'm glad I'm here. Happy to happy to be here. Fan. So for people that don't know, there's a lot of people that would know who you are, but for the people that listen to this that that don't know who you are you're one of the 
uh, at least for me, one of the original action sports, like I guess agents uh, in in our kind of world. Um, but maybe I'll give you the uh, the floor to just give us a, a brief intro for someone who'd never heard of you, like where you come from and, and uh, what your role is now. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. The, so the original family I founded in uh, 1998, which there definitely was an action sports agents back there. Back then, um, I got lucky, right place, right time. Launched the family around snowboarding because I was working on the brand side and snowboarders, they didn't have any agents and kind of went to skaters, skaters to motocross, et cetera, et cetera. The fast version was, uh, I guess, like, I think there was people from other worlds just like when I went into like golf or NBA or football, but like there was nobody really representing action sports athletes. Um, so I got lucky that I was first come first serve, you know, I got in yeah. early. Um, there's a lot of competition now and some really great guys and girls out there, um, men and women. Um, so yeah, it's a little different of a game now, 25 years later. I was at, um, unfortunately, but it was, a, it was a great celebration, Ken Block's funeral yesterday and um, seeing people I haven't seen in 20 something years, even some that worked for the original family before I partnered and merged and was Wasserman for 19 years. So. I haven't seen these people or some of them 22, 23 years. And then um, obviously seeing Travis, I see him still a ton because uh, I've signed Travis when he was 16. And as we all know, he's older than that now. So yeah, still a client, yeah. still still with me. No, it, it's super cool, man. I, I, remember, I remember moving over there. Like I remember reading about you in like magazines. I could always see like your name pop up and stuff. Um, and then I can't remember, I can't remember who the, writer was you would have been working with that kind of like brought me into that orbit um but yeah i always remember hearing about you i always remember maybe reedy probably chad i might have been kenny to be honest like just me me being yeah you're younger than me yeah yeah well me being in the u.s and like kind of actually getting to sort of like be around but um you started didn't you own a snowboard shop to start with yeah so my history that's why it was you know Again, I want to celebrate a legend and, and a 30-year-old friend and, and everything else, but Ken Block passing was a little bit of a shocker. But we were all reminiscing, and I was looking back, and like I like to avoid my age. I'm, I'm old as dirt now, <laughs> 51 years old. I can't even believe it. Dude, that's um, crazy. But I was, yeah, it was you don't, looking you back. Don't, you don't that, come across enough, as 51. Thanks. I could have used glam though. You know, when some of these podcasts, I get makeup, hair. Come on, dude. I need help with this. No, we don't run that shit. Some of the wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, no kidding. Um, I was, I was talking to everybody at the, we were even discussing this at the, at the celebration, the funeral. Um, But when I first heard of this, I was going through old photos and pictures and like, you know, when you have a long time in an industry, like action sports or sports in general, or even if you're like in construction, it's like everything you know and you really, if you have a passion like I do, I still say I've never worked a day in my life. When you truly love something, it doesn't feel that way. My first love and by luck was retail is I opened the first ever snowboard shop with another friend in Beaver Creek, Colorado in Vail. Um, And I was looking back thinking like the first time I ever met Ken, a lot of people assume it was like DC days when I had, you know, Mira and Pastrana and all these people on DC shoes. And in fact, it was, he was one of the few brands because I was literally like, I don't even know if I was 20 by then. I mean, maybe 20, 21, but 1989, when uh, 1990, working on the shop to open the shop, um, A, snowboarding wasn't what it is now. There was mostly ski shops that kind of carried small snowboard things. Mm. That's how I was actually working for Vail Associates in a rental shop. And I kept noticing more and more people asking for snowboards, 
but nobody was carrying snowboards. And the other one was um, Cherry or Cherry Pow Pow, whatever. It was an Australian snowboard company, actually, yeah, a right. snowboard uh, shop. Was the second one, Cherry Cherry Pow Pow, that was it, was the second one to open Vale in Beaver Creek. Um, and then I had a couple Aussies that worked for me. So, again, going back to the Australian thing. But um, you guys were a little bit ahead of us. Like Australians, maybe because the seasons, whatever, mm. um, and it was easier accessible because your mountains aren't huge. I think there was a lot of maybe because surf's so big and action sports were always so big in Australia. Um, you guys were a little bit ahead of the turf ba curve back then. So surf shops, I think, were selling snowboards in the winter, maybe in Australia, but we didn't have that. It was really mm. just ski shops, which skiers now are really cool. But back then it was like very snowboarders were like baggy pants, you know, a lot of people would call us hoodlums and I was one yeah. and, and skiers were very proper, especially in Vail or Aspen or Beaver Creek. Um, so I kept, my friend and I kept trying to tell Vail associates, like you should open a snowboard shop. And they're like, that's the stupidest idea I ever heard of. And I'm like, well then it must be a good idea when a bunch of suits, I never graduated high school. So I, I always like when like a bunch of fancy people tell you it's not possible. Yeah. So open that first shop. And that's really where I got into the industry. Um, I met Ninja Jay Isaacs, which is funny enough, ended up working with me at Wasserman. He's now one of the top snowboard agents uh, at Wasserman. And, and, and now he even left with another good friend, Steve Ruff, to start their own agency. So I'm really stoked for them. But um, it's funny how those circles come around. And back to Ken Block, it's like he came into my shop with a couple other people. Cody Dresser, you might know, works yeah, at yeah, yeah, Monster yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Cody was a pro snowboarder. Mm. And Cody was like a Vail local snowboarder way back, like 88, 89, 90. Um, he came in with Cody and this guy, Tarquin Robbins. He's old school. Anyway, and sold me 8-Ball uh, was a brand he started in the 90s and uh, drawers and dub. It wasn't even DC, wasn't even a thing. Um, and he took a risk on me because I was a small shop. You know, we're just a bunch of punk kids opening a snowboard shop. And uh, so that's where Ken and I first, and that's where I started my career and kind of came into the industry. I then went to work for a brand in San Diego, um, Lamar Snowboards, and uh, left the retail business. It was getting tough after six, seven years. All of a sudden, of course, Vail opened snowboard shops when they said that was stupid because snowboarding took off. To give you an idea, like the first year, I would buy a snowboard boots and bindings for like, let's say 150 bucks, 140 bucks, and we were renting 200 boards a day minimum. It was wow. blowing up so much for like 70 bucks for a day. So like in two days, you made your money back from renting boards. And we were just a bunch of scrappy kids, but it got more challenging over time. And, and I was having my first child and I was kind of like, oh my God, I can't live in the Vail Valley the rest of my life. Yeah. But it's funny when now all these years later, I, that was a simple life. I kind of want to be back in the mountains, <laughs> not doing, I'd love to just work at a shop and teach skiing or snowboarding again. Yeah. Um, although I love what I do. It's just, you kind of, as you get older, you want to slow down a little bit, but well, it's funny. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's kind of how it all happened. It's funny, Anthony, the producer there, he um, he was just talking about, he went home to Ohio and he's like, oh, I did some wrestling and it was cool. And like one of my buddies from school, uh, he ended up, like now he's coaching the middle school and high school wrestling team. And I, just, I literally had that thought that you, you had right then. It's like when you look back, you're like, damn, that's actually that simple life of, you know, imagine being a guy that like went to that high school, then went to college for four years to go back and teach at that high school you know it's like yeah. a it's such a comparing yeah. his life to your life would just be it's almost like mm -hmm. you it's a different you're just playing a different game you know mm -hmm. but uh there, there's That's definitely something yeah. to that that super simple yeah. lifestyle you know 
I think even like, you know, as I got into music management three years ago, I was telling a friend the other day, it's like, if I knew then what I know now, and it's like, well, you can't, you just hope you can mm. mentor and teach and pass it on. And I think like I started my career very differently. Like I had a lot of insecurities because I didn't come from money and I didn't come from a Harvard or college thing. So I always like did it with force or like, I'm going to outwork the person, which I still like, you just like, that's my habits. But like, over time you learn different things to your point of like when I saw that of like it didn't doesn't mean I want to go back and work in a shop or have mm. a snowboard. I mean, it just means like there were simpler times that maybe you need to learn from those lessons of like where do you take it now and and like for me now it's like I try like with younger people becoming agents or managers or want to work in this space it's like it's like you try to tell your kids and then you become adult going, why didn't I listen to my dad? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, all yeah. those lessons you learn. And so I'm trying to find a way to like do it where it's a mentor or like saying it in a way where like, please, I'm not trying to say I know everything. It's just like, hey, I messed up. Like yeah. learn from my mistakes. I took this deal when I should have waited or I should have been more patient or I should have done this. And having that kind of experience now is like, um, I was reading something the other day is 50 lessons from an 80 year old man. Yeah. And I could still learn from that because he's got 30 years on me. And Crazy. then you read ones that like, even now at 51, I feel like I could say five or six things to young agents or managers or whatever and be like, we just trust me. I know it sounds crazy, but don't do this. Cause at 22 yeah. or 25, or I guess I was 26 when I started doing this, 26 when I became a first agent or manager in that space, you just, you learn the hard way. And there are things that I would have probably done differently. And I have done differently now, even when it comes to making decisions for your children over work or your lifestyle, whatever it is. What, all right, what would be your five or six things you'd say maybe to young agents, but maybe just like young people in general? I mean, I I guess the one thing, but it's common because everybody, if you look up, would say it. But as I, I truly, truly, truly believe this now is that you can't get time back. And mm. maybe I'm a little sensitive and emotional to seeing Ken pass too early at 55. Um, but like. I look at the difference and I've been very vocal since ayahuasca and other podcasts I've done. So there's nothing wrong with me saying this is that I'm not the same man I was last year or even five years or 10 years ago. And I mm. think men, you know, treat women differently when they're young. And it's not because of anything else except an insecurity that we all have men and women have. And as you get older and you know, maybe I waited longer and, and I should have done it quicker is that you learn that like, be confident in who you are and believe in who you are. And if you're really a good person and you sleep good at night and you you believe in what you're doing, it doesn't matter what other people say. And a lot of us struggle even with technology, but it's always been around the haters or the keyboard warriors or whatever else is that I think the first thing I would say is if you believe you're doing the right thing and you believe in your path, then don't worry about what others tell you or say about you. And you're not always going to make the, 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 the right decision, but if it's a decision you make that you can live with, then that decision is okay. Um, so the first thing is just believing in yourself and you know, it's a lame example, but it's like a little dog barks. A big dog doesn't bark as loud because he's mm. confident. He or she's got to be the same way. Is that like, I feel like we, you know, I'm sure you've been in a bar and your, you know, your girlfriend or your boyfriend's talking to another guy. And then all of a sudden you want to start a fight. I know I used to, I'd be like, why are you talking to him? It's like, well, you're not talking to me. You're hanging out with Carrie Hart and all your boys over in the corner. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm not going home. And by the way, if she does go home with him, then it's not meant to be for me. That goes for business and everything else. I used to like probably work myself to death in a lot of ways to just because I was so insecure when I should have realized like I'm the best at what I do. I truly believe that my client's not leaving. 
Maybe I should spend more time with my children. And so, so the second thing I would say is the people around you in life are more important than any business, um, including my clients. Like I'd rather be for them personally than just business. Um, and I, I think so the second thing for me is really, you know, you can't get back time. And I know that's the lamest thing to say. And but like there's so many things I wish I did differently raising my my older kids compared to my youngest son. Right. It's like basketball game. OK, no, that's a priority football game. That's a priority where it used to be like, well, I don't want him to be poor, so I'm just going to work. He's fine. Mm. She's fine. They'll be fine. But like you can't get back that time. And I think that's really important. Um you know, I mean, I can go on and on. I should probably like eventually, you know, keep spitting them. But, um, you know, I, I just think the most important thing is 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 for for young entrepreneurs or, you know, because that's kind of what this is about or young athletes is just stay with what you believe in and, and follow that. And don't as long as you're not hurting anybody else or doing something illegal, if you're learning from your mistakes, they're still your mistakes. It's not somebody else that forced that. And I made a lot of mistakes in my life, personally and in business. And as long as I improved as I went on, there's nothing wrong with that. You to be ashamed or be insecure about it. So I think just being confident and being proud of the work that you're done and, and keeping that. Um, the other thing is, is ask for help. I think too many times in the past, I'm so blessed now that I can truly say, well, listen, I'm old, mm. you just listen. Mm. But like back in the day, um, it's uh, just so he knows I do see it and doesn't. That's Adam Sansarillo calling, but like, man, he's be really pissed that I'm not picking up. But see, watch this and know that I do care. I'm at least looking. Um, we all love Adam. So, like, I, I yeah, we love Adam. Um, so, it, it, it's just one of those things that, like, you have to, I guess it comes back to if you're learning from your mistakes, then you're mm. moving forward. Yeah. And I think if you repeat those mistakes, it's a different thing. Um, and just don't get caught up with the, with the je it's mostly jealousy mm. um you know i think when i was younger i let those things affect me a lot yeah i think a lot of people do so i hope young mentors and entrepreneurs don't and i've been blessed now you know launching a new agency three years ago and my presidents of different divisions or whatever in their 30s so i can just really preach and that's and so say, cool at, don't let this be an example yeah. where you should have listened to your dad like just t it's not because i know it's because i did it wrong <laughs> yeah or i messed up or i didn't do this you know Nah, definitely. It's funny that, that you mentioned the, like the insecurity side of things because the sort of the, I think that was the biggest thing I learned. Like I, I spent, you know, probably I, I spent most of my twenties in, in the U S and then kind of at the end of that is when I, I had to come back to Oz and it was towards the end of my time in the U S that I really figured out like, Oh, you have insecurities and these insecurities uh, informing a lot of your actions and the actions that insecurities inform are probably not the best actions that you could have taken at the time objectively you know and and I I can't remember That's really like advice. when it was to when it was exactly that I kind of figured that out but I I knew at a certain point around like 26 or 27 that I like really had to work through those things and and really look at the I guess like the darker sides of of your you know yourself that you you avoid looking at because it's the ugliest kind of part but uh yeah when you can really work through those insecurities and and like childhood trauma too you know like I I, I definitely uh can relate to like I think a lot of why I had like this crazy drive to do what I was doing and leave home in my 20s and because we were just poor and I just got teased at school and I never had nice, you know, the nice things that my 
friends had or peers at school had and then you know you see your dad working a job that he hates and then you kind of relate a lot of the problems in your life to to that and you know there there are these traumas that you do carry throughout your life that again they inform your actions and it's like i think to to be able to take a step back really know and understand the insecurities and then how you can kind of work through those things so that they stop informing these like poor decisions in your life and i think like that's like another one of the things i tell everybody is therapy Mm. i used to think therapy was a negative or people that do therapy mainly probably part of it being raised and just social services coming to my house to take me and stuff like that but yeah, like yeah, yeah. maybe have a, like a, a negative condensation but let's just say in general when i found therapy that you know there's when you really embrace it because for years i was even bullshitting the therapist like on the mm. outside everything's great everything's perfect like that's how you're treating it and then again i'm not saying this is for everybody or and again this is coming from a guy that's never done drugs like ayahuasca you can't lie to that medicine Mm-mm. and it's like 15 years of therapy and two nights three nights four nights or whatever but what I would say is why I just say normal therapy is it's to your point, what you just said earlier is I used to use my childhood or the way I was raised or how poor I was or living in a car or doing this and being on my own at 15 and getting kicked out or, or all these things as an excuse. It's not an excuse. I used to say, Oh, I'm that way because I didn't have mm. parental guidance the right way, or I didn't have this, or I grew up poor. That's just a bunch of bullshit I used to use and an excuse, which what I found out through therapy or just working on myself now is that that's a dr- That's what got me here. Mm. that's the best thing that ever is it drove me yeah, yeah, yeah. to work as hard as I do. It drove me to be an entrepreneur. I don't think college would have given me that. I think in college, because I was already like a mess up as it was, would have just made me more of a mess up for a longer period of time. So while those people, there's some people that structurally are really good to go to college and they're prepared for that. I don't think I was ever prepared because of, of my circumstances. It's like people ask me now, what's the one thing that you wish you know, younger or give advice again on people. I say, play golf. I didn't have the wherewithal to play golf, but if you do and you can access, the game is different now. It's very accessible. And the reason I say that is you'll never get four and a half hours anywhere else with somebody's undivided attention with your first boss, your next client, maybe a brand you're pitching, or by the way, you're the girl you're asking to marry. Most likely her dad plays golf and you put him on the golf course and you got four and a half hours with him, like it or not. Um, Or you do that for your daughter. So for me, it's like, you just, it's not because I think golf, I love golf, but it's not, it's, it's the social time. It's the time you get with somebody. Mm. Um, so that's why I say young, you know, I don't care if you play football, basketball, those stories get old unless you go to the NFL. And even then you can use golf the rest of your life as a social skill. And as it's something to, to do with somebody for four and a half hours. And so there's just these little things that it's like, I just, you know, I hope that, that and I think now with technology they are I hope kids young kids or young entrepreneurs are just realizing that a lot of those things they learn from their mentors those were excuses so now they know not to use those as excuses and they want to like pass on you know kind of like what you said you had drive it wasn't an excuse it was drive that gave you drive um and there's no difference it doesn't matter that you know like oh my god I didn't go to high school so I this is why no come on that's an excuse you're meant to do what you do. I truly believe I do what I am supposed to be doing. I know, I know that is. Is there other stuff I could do? Sure. But I really love what I do. The, uh, the ayahuasca thing, I haven't actually done it myself. Like I've done a, a lot of other psychedelics. But when, how did you go about doing that? And like what was the process? What was the thought you had that made <laughs> you feel like you needed to do it? And what was the experience like? 
I mean, I don't want to repeat what's already done because there's other podcasts. Ah, oh, fair and, enough. Yeah, and I'd really like to make yours fresh and new. No, but I, I, I will share this: is that um, it was my therapist. Yeah, right. <laughs> she literally was like, "Have you heard of ayahuasca?" And I'm like, "You're asking me to do drugs," and she's like, "Well, I don't think you tell me everything," which I didn't. Like, if you look at my Instagram post, even post ayahuasca, I said stuff that people for 40 years never knew happened, like that mm. I was sexually abused in a home. Right. Like like stuff that I was scared to say. Right. There goes our insecurity again. Yeah. Here's this guy that everybody sees on the outside, you know, this and this. And on the inside, I'm fucking rotting and dying and like depressed and still thinking about those things. So as a man with too much of an ego back then or insecurities, I would say, yeah. not even an ego, I would I would go to a therapist and not really open up. I do surface therapy. Yeah. Oh, I had a tough week and. I don't know why I cheated on her or I don't know why I did this or why I did that or why I treated this person this way. And I'd, it was all surface stuff. Yeah. You gotta go really deep. And I'm not saying, and I rich, poor, doesn't matter how you're raised, we all have issues. We have to be able to be open with those. I just wasn't someone that would do it to another human, male or woman. I was embarrassed and I was super insecure. Yeah. And then I went, to, <laughs> so that's how I became, you know, that's how I got familiar with ayahuasca. And then funny enough, when I finally made the commitment, I had never heard of it, just like kind of you. Also had never done a lot of drugs. I, I had sold some stuff when I was younger. <laughs> but I, I didn't really understand what ayahuasca was. And I was doing another podcast. And this guy, and it's a long story, Lance, he's written book sense and everything, was like, I've done ayahuasca. That's why I'm in Costa Rica during COVID doing this podcast with you. And it's like, it's funny when the medicine, when you hear about it, it comes into your life and I've had other athletes and, and, and musicians and stuff go do it since. And, um, it's a special medicine. I know everybody listening thinks I'm a whack job, but I don't really care, but it is a special medicine for me. Anyway, it healed me. I faced yeah. things that I needed to face. Um, I never really forgave myself for Dave's death, his suicide, Dave Mira. Um, I saw that I spoke to him. I, I yeah. So again, I know it sounds like a whack job, but that, that shit's real. No, 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 man. I, I completely believe it. I mean, I, it's not super accessible in Oz, which is probably like the reason that I haven't done it. But I think mushrooms for me is like the one that that's sort of where I'll go. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then this is why. Yeah, I went to Costa Rica. I don't think I'd ever do it in Malibu or L.A. like some people do. Yeah, <laughs> I went yeah. to a real facility in Costa Rica. I think I would have been really scared. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, so for me, the, the yeah, mushrooms is kind of can can get me there. And I think meditation as well has been I like massive um, to like, I sort of spent probably like the last three or four years, like really diving into, into that. Um, and yeah, I mean, th there is, I think maybe we'll like kind of bookend this because I've talked about it a lot on my end as well. Um, but yeah, I think like people probably just doubt that there is something to learn in in a real serious and profound way like i would say that the for the meditation side of things like the stuff that i've learned through like reading and and spending a lot of time like kind of with that world and in that philosophy and in that way of thinking like there's literally a there's a there's an old me like there's a there's a person and i'm this might be the same for you after ayahuasca but there's like there's an old version of me where I couldn't even be that person. And it, like, I couldn't even act. No chance I could. In, in that, I couldn't even act that way. It's like, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a hard thing to explain, but there's a, there's a shift that can take place and it's just like a permanent thing that stays with you and you now see the world in a, in a different way. It's like, it's like you, 
before you were just watching a movie on the screen and you didn't realize you were a person sitting in the theater like you were so absorbed in the movie and then it's like after a certain experience then you can zoom out and you go like oh that's just a screen and i'm a person and i'm sitting in a movie theater and there's all these other people so it's like it's that much of a shift of perception of like i guess who you used to be in a sense yeah and i think for the better right like it doesn't it just I think whatever experience you do, breath work, meditation, medicine, whatever you do, when you're really honest with yourself and you have that vulnerability of where you've just letting go and you're mm. letting whatever it is take over, you are a completely different person when you come out. Like there are people literally that are like Steve pre ayahuasca and Steve post ayahuasca is just totally different human. Look, I still got, you don't change that. Like I'm still the same yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, to me, I'm a much better version to your point. And I also would never do some of the things I used to do. Yeah. No matter what those are, like those are my private list of things, but I just won't. I saw what it did to those people or I saw what it did to myself. Yeah. So I just, I won't choose to do those things again. And I think some people that aren't as stubborn and this is me pre ayahuasca, such a fucking pig headed, you know, ADHD. I know like you can find it different ways. So I'm not saying this is the one way it was what I needed. I needed yeah. the most extreme caution but some people could do this through therapy some people could do it through meditation some people can do it through breath work some people could do it just getting a good mentor if yeah. you really listen and you're humble to that listening to that person you trust i feel like now i can do that like i've i think um based on texts even recently i've gotten from people that have been around me let's just say for 10 years 15 years and they just said like maybe i haven't said it enough that like and and i can say this because i feel very good about this of like you literally changed my life and taught me everything i know yeah and it's like, well, I don't think I did that, but I think I guided you. And I think maybe you also learned from my mistakes. Yeah. And that's why you're maybe doing a really great job at this role that you're in or whatever you're doing. So, and I think that's okay. I think it doesn't always have to be positive lessons, right? Yeah. And but, I mean, you're, you're a person that, uh, there would be a lot of people that do look up to you. Like, I mean, I, I kind of know that for a fact, just even like my brother was so stoked to meet you in, in Melbourne. I mean, he runs his agency here. It's a, it's yeah, a nice a, to talk to him. Yeah, and and he just genuinely like looked up to you for a really long time, and you know it was he's like I think he asked me way back like even when I was in America, and he was like, "Oh, is Steve Aston a, a nice guy," and I was like, "I was like, yeah, I mean, like I think it was maybe after we played golf once or something," and I and I said I was like playing golf with you, and he's like, "Is he is he a good dude?" And I was like, "Yeah, he's a fucking real nice guy," and he was like, "Okay, cool, I really like look up to that dude." So it's like it's I think it's even people in the position that you're in where you're like such a unique dude of like you're the first action sports manager and now action sports has exploded and and you know so there is like there's a lot of people i guess that are aware of your life and career and um so yeah i just i wouldn't doubt yeah, that and I think there's people that you've had that effect on you yeah. know yeah i think and i love i like that it's like the true people like i think and this happened even prior but maybe i still was a little bit nervous about it but like i remember years ago and this is probably 15 years ago now of a 30 year career, 28, whatever it is. Um, I was at a very large table and, and we have to remember it's like bullying, I guess. And I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm trying to preach, but like we got to remember how this affects people. Mm. And we have to remember when we say stuff about people that we truly don't know about, or we really haven't played golf with them to your yeah, point. Yeah. And I was at a dinner, it was a rather big dinner. And this guy was there talking about me. I never met him in his life, by the way. Never, I don't even know who he is. I actually, his wife looked familiar, but I didn't know him. And uh, true story, it was like, 
a friend of mine that was at the table that really looked up to me and knew me and wasn't a client, but he was in the industry, worked for a brand. He said, uh, hey, Astafin, pass the ketchup. And I swear to God, this guy's face went white. Like, I don't know if he maybe knew me when I had a beard and not a beard or vice versa, but like, how did you not know I was at the other end of the table and could have heard everything you say? And his wife actually got up and left. She was so embarrassed because he was saying things that are like, they were hurtful. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, maybe even prior to that, I would have started, like, people that know me back in the day, I like to fight a lot. Like, that's an insecurity. I would just come up and punch you in the face where I grew up. You're going to say something about me. Talk shit, get hit. Chase people down at golf courses. Yeah. I mean, Burt Lamar, this is a public thing. Burt Lamar, when I let. He had said something about me. I got nothing to say. And this guy, and by the way, this is what I mean. So this is a true story on my son and I's life. He had said something to a woman that was applying for a nanny job. And I hope people hear this to realize how much this can hurt people. And he said to this guy, or to this nanny, who, by the way, this woman's applying for a job. This is personal. And he said, how many wives is that guy on now, right? Which, by the way, I hadn't been married that many times. Maybe I'm not the greatest guy back then, but I, 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 that's a bullshit comment. So she told me and whatever, and I went, and, I'm not kidding, and Bart Wilson, Aussie guy, he'll tell you the yeah, story. Yeah, I know Bart, I was yeah. in my office, and I said, I said, I need you to come with me, Bart, to, you know, in case something goes down, just want witnesses. I went and found him. Because if you're going to talk, I just got sick of it. I'm like, if you're going to say something, say it to my face. Just come up to me and say it to my face. So I went and found him at the golf course. I looked <laughs> on his Instagram, I found out where he was, and I went and found him. And boy, you tell you what, he was white as a ghost and was scared and all this sort of stuff and nothing went down serious, but here's what's crazy. And I could show you it on text. This is what 10 years ago, whatever it was now, Bart would have to verify the. it's gotta be 10 years probably. Julian was, yeah, I mean, I gotta think, is uh, sent me the nicest voicemail. He's gone through a really bad divorce. Wanted to apologize for everything he said. The guy was practically in tears on this voicemail and then a text. So see what I mean? It's like yeah. that was an insecurity he had. Yeah, he yeah, was interviewing yeah. a nanny and he had to show off yeah. to make himself feel better. And so back to that story at the table was my first lesson in learning, you know what? If you're really a good person, I know what I do for people and I know how proud I am and I know how hard I work for people and I know how much I care for people. Yeah, That's all that matters. Be okay with that yourself. And I see these athletes and I blew, I got caught up in with Pingree a couple of weeks ago. We're not going to go there. Yeah. And then I vented and yelled at Jason and then people wrote stuff that maybe took it out of context, whatever else, but I'll live with it. I got nothing to hide. I was, I was angry because I know I love my clients and Kenny specifically is like a, a brother to me. Yeah. He is my brother and I will go to battle for that kid. And I just get sick of the keyboard bullshit out there. Yeah, And you don't know this guy. You don't know him. You don't know the cases. By the way, some of these veterans too, that by the way, I was around them when they were fucking taking, like, come on, you're going to go there right now? Like you're making yourself an ass because half of you are saying stuff you regret back then yeah. or doing yeah. stuff you regret in your career. You know, yeah. you sit with some of these veterans now, they give you the same podcast I give you. They'll be like, I wish I did this different. I wish I didn't jump brands here. I wish I did this different. Again, we learn. Yeah. And I think like my 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 examples, I'm giving you this for hopefully your guests. And I know you're, you're like this uh, example. Your brother is like, I mean, I love what I do and I love the people in this industry. I'd be nothing without this whole and all the industries that I enter and get in music or NBA or whatever. So, you know, I just wish people would ask me directly if, if they got something to say. And I think like you're a podcaster, you're famous. Like I see people taking photos and autographs with you. That's what sucks is that like I just love what I do and I do it really well like you do. And then therefore is more popular you get or, or more, I hate saying this cause I don't want to sound egotistical, but like you become the 
the the the people have said it. The Jerry Maguire, you're famous as a yeah, yeah. as an empl- like as a entrepreneur, right? It's not yeah. just athletes and musicians. As entrepreneurs, you can become famous in worlds. I'm so blessed. I have high school kids, college kids DMing me all the time. Like, I look up to your career. Can I get some advice? Absolutely, you can. Would you like a phone call? Like, I take all those informationals. That's something that's really important to me because you just don't ever know when that person's going to be a CMO. Obviously, once again, learn by mistake. Yeah, right? yeah. So now that's like that's been a rule with me for more than a decade. Like I don't ever treat anybody with that disrespect. And if I have, call me back because you should give me some shit. But you know, so for me, those things are really important. And I just I just don't understand why, you know. And again, I know I sound once again like all oh, goody two shoe, but it's like people hurt people with this stuff. And it really is like when that guy was talking about me at that table, I was sitting there going like, man, this guy doesn't even know me, you know? Yeah, you're literally sitting right in front of him. I'll tell you I've cheated on my wife. Like, what do you want to know? Like, I I can't get any more public than I have been. Give me shit. If you don't believe in the things I've done, say that. That's fine. But I know, I know we all make mistakes. And those that are the most angry are the ones that have made the biggest mistakes in their life and they just won't face that. Yeah. And I, yeah, and so. I think that you, you said it you said it right in saying that, you know, the the person that is kind of talking shit, um, you know, they've got it's like a it's a reflection of like how they really feel, you know. Like did you see did you see Dino's uh Dean Wilson's story that he put up yesterday of a guy he like screenshotted a DM and a guy's like, I hope you fucking die in your next crash and I hope your fucking baby dies. Like some crazy shit and i'm uh, and i'm sorry to dean for that there's an example right like, dude, can you but, believe getting that dude like, and, and it had happened all the time yeah it's unbelievable what people and and i'm sorry that dean goes through that i'm sorry all these people go through that and again look we, we've always lived in a crazy world and i'm not going to say we're going to just all of a sudden change it but like yeah. one at a time you know i've really made a conscious effort for a very long time now because people like to leverage this, even when I'm recruiting in major sports where they come in and they want to say, well, CAA said this or this person said this, WMB, whatever. It's like, oh, good, okay. Well, I'm here to talk about me. Yeah. Because uh, I literally am. I don't yeah. care about my competition. Good good luck. By the way, I became more successful the more competitive this business got in. Mm. We all do. You know? We, we become, if you're the only person, if you move one, two lawyers to a town with no lawyers, they both become very successful. If one goes away, the other guy goes broke. Yeah, yeah, Competition yeah, yeah. breeds success. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so, so, like, I mean, what Dean's going through, but, like, I'm glad he posted it, too, though, because people have to start realizing, like, we, we live in a world now, and maybe we're all foolish of it years ago, but we're living in a world now where, like, people have a lot more time on their ends because all of a sudden it's like go to work twice a week whatever happened to a five day office day. Like I'm dealing with that all the time. It's like worlds keep changing. COVID changed a lot of things, whether I believe in it or not, I'm not right or wrong, but I think culture office is very important when you're running a business, Mm. you learn from each other. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in these two day work weeks and all this other bullshit. So call me a old school, but I I just, I want to work. Um, but having said that also we come in a time where it's like, it's getting really serious. Like kids and people are killing people or killing Mm. themselves over this kind of thing. And I think we got to take it really serious. And it's just like, it is hurtful. Our whole industry would be better off if we didn't do this. Ask the questions. By the way, with Ping and Dave, I've respected him. I, but I have the utmost respect, especially because he was such an athlete and a badass. It's like, why didn't you just call Kenny or I? Mm. And, and he what, knows. What, what, he is, said that what was the, like, 
What was the issue me. there? He posted that Kenny never tested. Remember, it was on the, yeah, on the yeah, Instagram. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. he just went out and posted that, like, and again, I don't want to rehash this stuff because yeah, it's, it's already yeah. a bunch of bullshit, but it's, it's basically he posted something without facts. He said he had a good source. Well, the real source is, like, you know Ken and me. Call us. Yeah. Chad, back in the day, just call Chad. Call Travis. Call these people. Be real news, what do you call them? Uh, Journalists. What do you guys call yourself? Yeah. Journalist, thank you. Yeah. Be a real journalist. You know, TMZ puts out the worst shit on some of my big, big celebrities, music especially. Yeah. You know what they at least do first? Call and say, do you want to comment, Steve, or do you want to at least know what's going on? Hey, thank yeah. you, man. I appreciate it. I know you're doing your job. Yeah. At least warn me before you kick me in the nuts. Yeah, yeah, Just give yeah. me a little bit of a heads up. Let me, <laughs> let me suck in my gut or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I just, that was the more point I was trying to make when I blew up is like, it's just not facts, man. I'm not saying not all of it's not true. I wasn't saying that. I, I, I'm not. But just this industry especially that I love, Supercross, Motocross, Supercross should be, I, I tell people I brought um, my girl, the first race ever, Ironheim, standing up. I mean, listen, from New York City, mainstream sports only, doesn't know anybody except Ken Roxon because, yeah. you know, he's my, you know, lives with me, whatever, Adam goes there and she's like screaming for 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 everybody for Malcolm when he went down she's like and she's like that was one of the best events I've ever been to yeah I'm like see we need to conquest new audiences but the problem is we keep just trying to market to ourselves yeah and then hate on ourselves and yeah. talk to ourselves and then complain about WSX and complain about Feld and complain about manufacturers and complain about mechanics it's like we're not going to go anywhere guys it's like Groundhog's Day at Anaheim one yeah the athletes have gotten better faster the machinery and nothing else Tents yeah. look the same, activations look the same, marketing looks the same, same people, which by the way, I love just like this this unfortunate funeral. It's great that we all can hang out for 30 years. Yeah. But new blood, come on, we gotta we gotta figure this out, you know? Yeah. And I so mean I just some of that can come from like us all checking our egos and not being afraid of smarter people. Yeah. I say it all the time, and I didn't always say it, is I want to be the dumbest one in the room. Yeah. We'll be way more successful if you surround yourself with those people. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, it, I guess good to good to talk about the, I guess, Supercross and the changes in Supercross and like how we can kind of elevate the sport. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much been like my mission with this was I kind of saw, I saw what other sports and, and what Rogan especially did for the MMA community by giving these fighters a voice to tell these fucking crazy stories and I can get... You know, like give give people the floor for an extended period of time where you're not gonna change anything they say. I'm not like I literally. It, Dean Wilson comes on the podcast, Jason. I don't give a fuck what you talk about. Like let talk about whatever you want, bro. And it's like I just want people to understand who you are. I want people to get to know your personality. I want it to be. I, I feel like if you listen to an episode of the podcast with a guy like Jason Anderson or Dean Wilson or any one of these kind of big name guys. My goal at the end of that is if you made it through those three hours, you could never fucking hate on that dude again because you got you got yeah. to sit down and you got to really hear what that guy's about. And, it, and in the three hours that you do the show, you can't fucking fake your personality. And so, you know, for me, that was like, all right, I feel like this is a good lane to go in and, and super cross, hopefully, will be able to reach newer audiences by showing it in this like more mainstream light. Like the way that I try and present this show is the way that 
the biggest podcasts in the world that reach hundreds of millions of people is presented. I just try and do the same thing and slowly, hopefully the, the audience fills out and then the, the sport kind of grows by proxy. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's just so much of that, I guess, old school thinking, old school mentality, uh, that is, you know, I guess like just stays within the sport. And it's like, you do need some of the old school stuff. Like Racer X should stay the same. Pulp MX should stay the same. Like some of the stuff that's been happening for like years and years and hasn't really changed probably shouldn't change. But Full there's respect. Sh- Absolutely have to stay. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there's like the foundation of the sport needs, like we have a great foundation, but it's like now there needs to be new things that happen, new ways of thinking, new personalities. New Like we have to be able to, I guess, bring in some some new shit to try and freshen up. Because, dude, straight up, I watched the... <laughs> this sounds funny for me to even say it. I watched the fucking Dirt Shark video last night. One of the best moto videos I've ever fucking seen from A1 this year. Like, it was unbelievable. My chick was on the couch. My chick does not give a fuck about motocross. And Same she was... Mine. She was on, on, on her phone while I was watching it. And then by the end your of it... Your missus, your lady. Yeah, the phone was down. And then she was like, well, that was a really great video. I was I watched the fucking race and that video was so well done. It showed the the writing in particular and the show and the edit, like the way that Walters edited that video. I was like, fuck Supercross is sick. It's so good. And, and that race particular, 450 main event the other night, like... Jesus, we got the ingredients. We just need to get the recipe. We have to continue to market outside of our little space. We continue to talk to the same frigging consumer. We Mm. can talk to the amateur motocross kid that comes. We're not expanding outside our space. And I will challenge. They all know it. And I still have great deals with them and good business with them. Feld, come on. You're the NFL, be like the NFL. It's back to what I said about the drug test. I want all of this. This is, but you gotta, you gotta have process and protocol and the want, want to grow. How have we not done? You see these new things come up, and and you see these new sports like pickleball pass us for God's sakes, and just in the sense of like how they're marketing themselves, bringing owners like LeBron buying a team. Come on, this is all like. You know how many athletes could have bought a team in Supercross for less than they're paying for a pickleball team and actually get a return on investment? Like, But we've done nothing to open those people up. These are the best athletes in the world. I'm mm. almost sick of like beating my head over this. We brought ESPN challenge, challenge me. So years ago, we brought them to boot camp with rocks and they said the best are at UFC. I said, bring them out. He'll get destroyed. Football player, bring them on. Overall athlete, strength, conditioning, core strength. I'm around it all. I will put these guys up to, if you went to Tomax boot camp, mm. Cooper Webb's, uh, Chase Sexton's in Santa Barbara. It, it, these are the best athletes in the world. And we've done nothing, nothing. I don't say nothing. We've all tried individually, but as a group to do something outside of just our sport or or your sport or the motocross, supercross industry. I mean, we sell out stadiums for years and no one talks about that in the mainstream world, but mm. because it has to start at the top, the, the owner Feld and the manufacturers have to want to do that. Or they have to be challenged, i.e. WSX and everything else. Look look what happened. PGA Tour is waking up, boys and girls, because mm-hmm. Liv came along. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's it's changing. And by the way, that's good for everything because now everything's getting better. I have yeah. players on the PGA Tour. It's getting better. The Netflix show coming out, it's oh, the same as the sick. Formula One, same directors. Yeah. By the way, yeah, it's, it's coming out on the PGA Tour. It's going to do the same thing for Formula One did. Nobody in the U.S. cared about Formula One. 
Their offices are moving to Vegas now. You think that's just because a bunch of Europeans want to come to the U.S.? We are, Americans are now making a difference. Formula One was already huge, globally huge. Now the U.S. has grasped it. We are powerful. U.S. is a huge country of power. Mm. Now all of a sudden, look what we've done for Formula One. That show did that. Someone outside the box thinking and saying, we're going to go do this show driven. Now they're doing it for the PGA Tour. So there's a show on Netflix by the same director, same producer, or same producer, not director, same producer. I am begging. I'm telling you, you do this on six or seven guys in motocross. Oh, right. It is it's a over. whole different thing. But And that should be, Feld should be paying for this. Yeah. They will make so much money on return and investment on this. Everybody keeps saying like, well, well, why don't you do it? You're so passionate. I tried. I put a commercial together years ago. I did that commercial with Ricky Fowler, the MMA fighter, all talking about Supercross. Yeah. But we just sent it to our same audience. We yeah, didn't share yeah. that story. Yeah, yeah. But like, we got to be louder as a sport. The riders are doing a better job. I mean, everybody laughed like when I told Ken Roxon to wear a suit to press conference years ago. But it got talked about, didn't it? Oh, mate, I'm so here No one else it. is doing it, though. It's like, right, why isn't Jet? All these guys, he's got swag. Why are you wearing these team shirts still, guys? Go ahead and yell at me, team owners, whatever. Come on, you'll get your exposure. Yeah. Wearing a logoed shirt at a press conference does nothing. Yeah, There's I agree. no personality to it. You all look like literally robots sitting there. I'm going to get hated on. Go ahead. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And then look at Ken. Yeah. I even gave in a little bit this year to Cordy and Ken going, what if we did the shirt like Formula of the Logos? Okay, go. I didn't want it. But at least it's better than everything else. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, the teams force it. Well, funny enough, he's been around a few teams now, and they all seem to be okay with it if you explain why we're doing this. Yeah. And he still gets the biggest following. He still has more social media followers outside the sport. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. The, like, the, the why thing do that... we have, you know, I, I don't know. And then veterans, like, you know, I think Ryan Dunchy is one of the smartest guys. It's just so, like, after his career talking to him more as I got to know him, he's just so, like, the way he is family man, his religion, yeah. his his beliefs. He did want to market and change, you know, the target stuff and everything. And again, not everybody's cut out for that all the time or, you know, and again, he was very focused on racing, which you always should be. First, you got to you got to win. But we also have guys that win championships that don't grow the sport. Mm. Now, that's their that's their fault also. Right. But it's not so much. It's like the people that are around them aren't elevating those people. Mm. So I think Lucas and Jet Lawrence have a plan. Um you know, I think Kenny's still going to push it with me. Adam starts winning soon, which he will. I mean, that personality, we all know. He could be mm -hmm. doing your job. Yeah. You've seen him in the booth. I mean, that <laughs> Way kid, better than me. <laughs> Adam's got a special, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, you're pretty good. But I, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. these guys have a real, like, Adam is, like, I I saw it when he was in the booth, people talking about it. James Stewart. James mm. at Outdoors? Come on. It was unreal, eh? That That's what we need. Unreal. We need character. We need these people to keep embracing it. And by the way, I hear it all the time. I don't know him. I respect the crap out of Eli Tomac, but I hear like on the side, he's one of the funniest, great guys to know. Yeah. I go through the pits and it's, it's hard to get a smile or a look. Now, again, he's a badass. Again, you can't change that. That's his deal. And I don't ever want to disrespect that. But I'm just saying, like, if we yeah. want to grow this sport, and maybe we don't, but to me, this should be in the top three largest sports in, America, in North America. Yeah, it no, really I, hey, I'm, I, I was hey. blessed to come into this sport. I didn't know it like a lot. Like I didn't come. I wasn't born and raised. Travis Pastrana brought me in. Yeah. He was freestyle why I signed him. He jumped in the bay and I said, I want to sign that kid. That's why I signed him. I mean, literally, he'll tell you the story. Now, again, I inherited the sport and fell in love with it back. Charlie Mancuso, he knows I tried to help back then. I really do love this sport. And 
but let's go get a CMO from and work at from, I don't know, from Nike and bring them to the sport and say, hey, what would you do with this series? Or let's go get someone from Apple or we, I don't know. We just keep regurgitating. Yeah, I yeah. No, no, it I, takes I mean, outside advice. Yeah. WSX I, I, is going to challenge everybody. It's going to take time. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, the, the Feld, so this weekend seeing A1 and seeing the way that they were able to use motocross footage in some of the promos and like it's been gnarly right and and it was gnarly for me to know the workings of the sport and then you're on the broadcast listening to like anaheim one and there's never there was previously there was never a mention of like it's almost like they couldn't say like oh last year's motocross champion or he just won the last round of the outdoor like it was so separate for so many years and the one thing that I, I really took away as someone that's like knows the sport fairly well, to, to be listening to the broadcast and watching the broadcast and seeing footage of motocross. Like we've got Chase Sexton and Eli Tomac that just had one of the most fucking insane battles that we've ever seen for 12 insane. rounds of outdoors. 24 motos, those two bashed each other. And Eli comes out on top. Yep. And now guess what? They're getting a chance to go at it 17 times in like 18 weekends. And it's like to be able to Gladiators, see... Gladiators, both of them. Insane, man. And to be able to see the footage of them battling in a in a promo leading into Supercross or as a cutaway. Like we have so much like content within our sport. The storylines... Are insane, man, yeah. and it's like we. And we I agree definitely... with you. I think this consolidation. Oh, sorry. I, oh, I yeah. No, I just I think, think j- just to see uh, those no, guys be able to, uh, you know, bring those storylines together, and and I think the more that the sport goes on, it just it didn't seem that significant to me at the time that they announced the merger, but like really seeing it now, I'm like, oh, this as as far as America goes, and you you said it really well, like America's a powerful market. I think now to have a sport where you're going to be able to just kind of follow the same storyline as a fan all year and we're going to try and drag those fans across that might just watch the Supercross broadcast, but because there's no mention of motocross, there's no carryover uh, into the outdoor series. And so I think that, but like you said, I mean, that's probably brought on in part by competition within the marketplace, you know? But also how great, like this consolidation, I would call it's going to be great. So I agree with you on that. Like I think Feld and the outdoors and this whole thing and a consolidation of this, at least now they can be focused on one thing versus I do think before it wasn't diversified, it was fragmented. You had mm-hmm. Supercross and you had outdoors and neither one of them wanted to talk to each other. Yeah. I think this is a great consolidation for the sport and a great thing for everybody to have year round. And what I would say, it's always on marketing. Now let's go back to a show yeah. called Ridden instead of Driven. Yeah. Can you imagine now the amount of content? Netflix can have a year-round show. They're lucky to get eight episodes, 12 episodes out of a Formula One, or I think it is eight, I don't know what, it, but a yeah, PGA, because it's, it's just not as much content. If you took, can you imagine last year if they did this starting at the beginning of the outdoors all the way through the Supercross and had Eli Tomac, it's usually, you know, you focus on a certain grace, Eli Tomac, Jason Anderson, Ken Roxon, Adam Sansarillo, Chase Sexton, Give me three more. Uh, Malcolm Stewart, yeah, Mal- we need personality, Stewart, speed, potential. Justin Barsha. Seven, Dean Wilson, personality. Justin Barsha, for sure. All eight of them. And you pr- had the budget like they do for this PGA and other show and really followed all those personalities. 
It's game I will over, tell bro. you they are way yeah. cooler than 98% of the Formula One and 95% of the PGA Tour. They're actually, what I'm really excited for the PGA Tour is a lot of people in the world still look at golf, although it's, you know, it's the players being a little dorky, grew up in country clubs, whatever. But actually, the people they chose, it's going to be great. Like yeah. when you see what Tony Finau really is like behind the scenes, oh gangster, and, just, and JT, yeah, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing. So again, like Formula One, it opens up to that humble. You're giving the fan a behind the scenes to these people, and I will say it again because as much as I grow in music and in and, and some of the biggest musicians in country and punk and rap, whatever, and football and basketball, my best friends and my family are still in Supercross and Motocross, mm. so many of them, and I truly love and, and, and look up and respect them as athletes so much and what they go through. But I also know their stories, and like Ricky Carmichael, man, it's like, for as much as I used to, couldn't stand that guy when he was racing. Like, he was just such like, I would be like, he doesn't talk to anybody, he's lame, whatever. One of the best personalities you'll ever, but like we never yeah. showed him on his boat and his yacht and how funny he is and how amazing he is as a human. It's just like, I'm a robot. I'm going to win races and I train and I, that's all I do. No, it's just nobody looked at the other stuff. So I, even me, I had my, my impression on him mm -hmm. or the first time I walked by Ryan Villapoto, he's like, Hey, isn't that Ryan Sheckler's agent? What's he doing here? And it's like, well, at least he said something because yeah, I had never yeah, got a yeah, word yeah, out of yeah. him before that, yeah. you know. And then again, over years, came friends with him or met him and represented him, you know, these things. So it's like I got that access that I never because I was an outsider. I didn't grow up in Supercross, Motocross. We all know that, like no way near. And I had already been in my career as an agent with snowboarders and skaters and BMXers that looked up to the sport like Jim Rippey and Kerry mm. Hart and all them. But I wasn't really in it. And then I just fell in love. I mean, they are the greatest athletes. I will put it against anyone. Yeah. One of, at least, I get in trouble for saying all. Because when I say that, I mean in general. I don't mean all athletes take certain things or do certain things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little spitback of being careful with my words. But yeah. in general. And, and so if someone, like, even all of us as a group, if we put together a budget to produce a sizzle, Netflix would buy it in a second, Amazon. But no one's, it's like, it's a lot of work. Look, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sending resumes out. Somebody, this show would be some of the best content. And everybody's like, well, it's not a big enough sport. Nobody knew any of these Formula One guys until that show. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew Snooki or Rookie or whatever her name is on New Jersey Shore, but she, yeah, yeah, Polly yeah. D, they sure became yeah. famous from television. Yeah. It's the old story of NASCAR, and they tell it great, the marketing, the family, and the marketing people there is, NASCAR used to only get, like we're talking now a long, long time ago, but remember there was only 10,000 people in the stands, 20,000 people in the stands. The old, old mentality was butts and seats, that's how we make money. And they fought going on a big television platform. Mm. But remember when NASCAR got national television exposure, 200,000 people went in those stands because yeah. they found a new audience than just the diehard NASCAR fan. We're selling out Anaheim Stadium, which a lot of baseball teams don't do. Yeah. To a core audience, can you imagine if we open this up? Yeah. Maybe we are bigger than MotoGP or Formula One. We don't know that. Maybe we can only be in football stadiums. Yeah. But again, it's already grown. But can you imagine if we went to a main, main, mainstream? We got suites. You know, again, I, I brought someone this weekend, my, my girlfriend, that has never been to a race. Mainstream sports, no problem. But like never and just was like, this Literally jumping up in the chair. Yeah. It's like, yeah, jumping up and down. And and again, it's just like that's to me something that is just rewarding. Yeah. We if, gotta do uh, something about it. Man, the other thing is, is from that whole content like drive to survive, like if we made ride to survive, 
Like we we got the drive crew. to survive. Why did I call it driven? Uh, same same. Sorry, um, dude. We've got the crew. Like Wes Williams that made Moto Spy. Like the budget. That's just a Red Bull. You know, a budget. That's like a web series that Red Bull kind of budgets out. Essentially, that's what that is. But that was our version yeah. of Drive to Survival, Ride to Survival, whatever. Man, yeah. the other thing. Yeah, but to, we only showed it to our audience. Well, think about this. Bro. <laughs> we didn't show it to anybody else. Someone give someone give Wes that money. Like someone give Wes the money to make. He's got all the footage. Wes has footage. This is another thing that would be crazy if we did get draw, uh, Ride to Survive made and on TV, right? In uh, the golf one, you might get some home videos that Jason Thomas has or Tony Finau. You might get like 20 seconds of of those guys playing college golf as a kid before they go on TV and then you've got everything, right? Dude, Wes has been to Loretta's 23 years in a row. We have like this cinema grade quality of all of these guys. Eli Tomac at five, Justin Barsher at six, Jason, like battles between... Jason what a Anderson. great first episode. Can you Dude. imagine that? They've been battling against each other for 20-something years probably. Eli and Jason or whoever, you know, or Barsha. And we have Crazy. all that footage. Crazy. We have it's with it's in our sport. Yeah. It's in a hard drive in Idaho right now. Like the story that could yeah. be told with a guy that we have, a crew yeah. that we have within our sport, it's just the money's never been there for that to become a real Well, but thing. also we have to, like, I think Wes, Troy, all these guys are really great, but also you do have to realize that, like, although they're using people that are great in golf or in Formula One for experience and cinema photography yeah, and how to yeah, shoot yeah. the sport, you need that, that authenticity. These budgets are huge compared to what we're used to. Like, you're oh, talking 100%. the runners alone. There's like, you know, you, you got a production team of, you know this, but just for the fan or people listening, like it is a production movement of when you're following eight athletes, you're talking millions and millions of dollars, not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like this is a very expensive per episode, never mind the post work to go film something like this. But I would invest, I mean, I know for a fact these personalities, Eli is so much different than Ken. Ken's so much different than Chase. Eli lives in the mountains and has a father that's a legend and you yeah. know the stories they don't exist it's in insane, formula one man. And, and golf they do a little bit like jt's dad or you know soon tiger's son so you have those but like our sport that is the positive of being like old school is like you have kids now that had fathers that were legends or you have you have uh experienced people that have been in the sport filming it for 20 something years and have footage of like you know, again, James Stewart or Travis Pastrana when they're five yeah. or Eli Tomac. So anyway, on to the next thing. But I, I these are the things we have to continue to conquest uh, a new audience. If we really want to grow it outside of everyone's going to make a great living, a good living, I should say. Um, people are going to be all right or whatever. But these teams and these riders and even felt could make a substantially larger amount of money if we surrounded by more people. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that advice. man, just uh, and I say it all the time, and I and I get shit for it. So, but it is what it is. But like we we have a business model that we we literally could copy. Like you don't copy go you go on the UFC's Instagram and you you start at the fight right. So you start at the the Monday they drop their first embedded vlog right, and and I know. I know this as if just a fan of that of that sport, right? So you start Monday, Supercross drops their embedded vlog of like the track getting built. Then you pick two, three riders that a vlog team follows around. They follow them around pretty much the entire lead up to the event. 
And then that's all just build type. We don't even have pay-per-view. Like it's just on TV. So it's like, you you know, you're dropping that web series. You've got the, the Instagrams that come out. Like we sat in the media room at World Supercross and they had their social media team with the live feed, just cutting reels, posting reels as the racing was going. Like, you know, there, there's a formula out there that exists that took a sport of fucking cage fighting that had headbutting legal in 1998 right that is now the what third or fourth biggest sport in the world and they did it by telling fucking stories they did it by media they created the ultimate fighter house like and the by the playbook way, is not to interrupt right you, there think about the bigger the biggest fighters in that series Connor, Sean O'Malley, all of them, they looked up to action sports guys, how they created their image. 100%. They'll tell you that. Yeah. Or a musician or whatever it is. Like they literally didn't recreate the wheel. They, they copy. I've done it over yeah. and over again as I expand into other sports and music. I do the same thing I did in 1999 when I did the first video game in snowboarding. I'm just replicating the same thing. I, it's not rocket science, people. And so that's what I mean. It's like, Formula One, look, the one thing I'll say is Supercross, when you watch it racing or outdoors, it, it's hard to watch and understand why is that guy, where's the ad? He just got lapped or whatever else. But but Formula One's just as hard. It's just like they fell in love with the characters yes, and the yes, sport and yes, the people and the team yes. managers. Roger DeCosta, you know, Bruce, Keith, Tom, all these people, their personality. Like, again, we have to involve everybody in the show. There's characters all throughout this. But we have to want to have this. Um, mm. And, and I mean, you know, look, there's a huge difference, with all due respect, uh, between, you know, a team manager at Honda and a certain team manager at KTM, or a boss, I should say, at each. I mean, they're just different people. Mm. That's what makes great television. Yeah. Right? I mean, you just I know that dealing with different brands like it's very different dealing with Kawasaki than Yamaha Yamaha was whatever it may be there's just different rules and different people um that makes good television yeah it really no, does no. and I, I've I, been blessed to get to know all these people good or bad and they can yell at me and I'm like man we should put that on TV you yell at me pretty good <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah uh and now let's not forget the amateurs too we got some great kids coming up and there could be a whole spinoff show like I don't know anyway what uh, speaking of amateurs, actually, um, what do you what do you think of of Hayden Deegan? I mean, we've probably got a, a chance here to have something very very special. Like it's it's not every day that you have, and I mean, this is probably just across the board in sports. You'd probably have a better global perspective of this than than I would. Uh, but we've got a kid that's got a million subscribers on YouTube, million like million five probably by now. And then a million on Instagram. And it's like, the kid is going to be really, really good. Like, he's got the talent to, to back it up. Like, what do you think or what do you see when you see, like, what that could potentially do for the sport as well? Have you thought much about it? I don't personally, I don't personally know him. So, I can't say this. If he's anything like his dad, it will be the greatest thing that ever happened in the sport. Hmm. His dad was the first WWE character in our sport. I mean, here's a guy, and I can say this because I've always had respect for him forever, is that, like, the world thought he was, like, you know, Satan, for God's sakes, with the spike things or whatever, and he's probably one of the best husbands, the best, he goes to church, he's, like, behind the scenes. Like, now he chose when he was going to portray what. Um, the first time I ever met him, it was, like, BMXers street fighting against motocross guys and skateboarders, like a full-on brawl. 
I was there. I mean, the times have changed. Let's just remember. But like freestyle motocrossers and BMXers were in a full on gang fight at Gravity Games. Um, So again, there was always the neutrals. Carrie Hart was really good at Switzerland, like probably the best. Um, But Deegan wasn't right. Deegan chose to be like, this is my personality and this is going to make me millions and millions of dollars. Make everybody millions of dollars. Brian is a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Brian was one of those guys, Ken Block, that are just marketing geniuses, happened to be an athlete. Yeah. He was a marketing genius that happened to be an athlete. Yeah, right? that's a good way like, to say it. He, he knew everything he was doing. He was, he was not an athlete first. He was a marketing genius, born and raised. Like, I feel like I'm born to do this. He was born to be that and happened to be a good athlete that could ride motocross. And so, God, let's just keep praying that his son becomes just as and I don't even think if his with his son's marketability and personality that I see online I'll, you do have to win but he doesn't need to win as much as the other guys do like he will be again I'll go back to this and and he knows he's my brother Kenny's still the most popular and I don't remember the last time he won a championship right mm-hmm. he's got the biggest following he's got the biggest corporate deals and and up until this year by far the highest paid so you got to be a combination, right? He won, he wins race, he won championship, he won, and also had the other side, the marketability, the good look. He was willing to wear a suit, drive a fancy car, you know, do the play the play the game. Um, Jeremy McGrath was the king of it, right? He did it. Deegan's son, oh boy, it is game on. Mm. I mean, because Brian will do it. Brian will surround himself with other people. Brian will lead it, but and his wife, who also is, she's seen it and she's been there since day one. But then they will also get and learn because their daughter's in NASCAR and they've learned from other age or different people like a publicist for them and this and that and put this person in place. Brian won't be afraid to invest in his, well, he already has, but more so a lot of parents grew up investing, love them or hating, in the racing and amateur. And God knows they do risk a lot. Mortgages on their home. They're on the road all the time to get these kids to turn pro. That's a whole other thing. I think kids can turn pro too young still. Mm. But the, the Brian... And his wife and his family, they're doing that. And yes, they had the wherewithal a little easier, but they're also building a marketing sensation. So um, I'm long-winded, but to, to give you the answer, it would be incredible. Incredible. And, and, and so what do you um, think, what do you think, like if you were his agent? Can you imagine if Brian Deegan was James Stewart? Can you imagine if Brian Deegan was James Stewart's son? I mean, James, James Stewart's dad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because James yeah. Stewart was another one, right? Yeah. Like, God bless the guy. I'm sorry that he had to leave the sport earlier than he is. But like one of the most marketable potentials ever. And for whatever reason at the time was just racing. But like if Brian Deegan raised him and his dad raised him really well. And I'm not again, please take. I'm just using yeah, 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 examples. Yeah, 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 his yeah. dad bred a racer. And yeah. that was what their background was. But golly, if if Hayden, if he ends up racing like James or James personality on a track and, and have the speed that James had. It is game over. He will bring the sport to the next level, like and Jeremy did, like Ricky, all in their own way. Yeah, yeah. And and so, like, if you were his agent, like, what would you think his, I guess, like, potential could be in terms of like, all right, we need you doing this. We've got it. Like, you're. We've got. It's like a golden goose. You know what I mean? It's like, how do we? What do we do to get that golden goose to lay golden eggs in terms of like the sport globally? I guess you got to look, unfortunately, I believe, and I think we all have to go back to, unfortunately, Ken's accident. Um, Before he got hurt, you'd argue he was the one, right? He won every qualifier and every race. 
Mm. And was Breitling, marketing deals, Mercedes was taught, you know, if that accident didn't happen, I think he was the next one. I, mm. I used to rely on, you know, Ricky, then I relied on James, and McGrath did do it. McGrath was very good at it. And the sport at the time, he had good people around him, and he was good and had some mainstream 1-800-COLLECT. Action sports in general was bigger then, by the mm. way, back then. We were doing more TV commercials back then. Mm. Other sports became cool since then. Now, Supercross, I never even called action sports. To me, it was always bigger and more mm. powerful. It's not in the X Games, you know? Um, I also think action sports is too broad. We should be talking about skateboarding because that's a sport. Snowboarding. So yeah, when I say yeah. Supercross or Motocross, Supercross to me had a few people, and for whatever reason, Travis Pastrana again, just too many injuries, whatever. Kenny's injury, otherwise I think that would have been it, right? Kenny was willing to do the suits with me. He was willing to fly to New York for photo shoots. He was willing to do PR for Breitling. That year for Honda, he was ready to win every single race, and we would have exploded. PR, we would have hired a publicist. That's what you got to do. You got to go outside the industry. And he would have had a championship that year. I feel very confident. I mean, literally I had not won <laughs> yeah. or lost a race. Yeah. So, um, and, and and still to this day, very sad and incredible what he's even doing racing still after that kind of amount of I surgeries agree. and accidents and the things, again, like I said before, the things that he has to do in the off season because of his immune system and how his body is just shot. Um, I think Brian has a, uh, again, Bob Walker used to work for me, good agent. Brian surrounded himself always with people and knew how to utilize those people. Um, like I think a good athlete ha had to utilize me. And so back to that is like, it's already there. I mean, Brian and his wife and some publicists and some agent, they're going to have a field day. Um, but what I would be doing right now is I'd be writing the script because mm. you can always change the script. I had Kenny was my next one where way before he knew it, I was making him wear a suit mm. at Anaheim. I always wanted to find that person to do that. Right. Chad changed the industry in other ways with his team. And he did that. He forced me to do that in the sense of like, he's like, Steve, we could do this. Courtney helped. You know, it worked out. Chad was really, really good. Slim Jim, when I first signed him, he was one. But at the end of the day, Chad was Australian. And just like Jamie Beswick was bigger than Dave Mira for a lot of years, like would beat him in contest. You're in America. They're it just, just going to bond to Americans more. It's just different. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not again, once again, not throwing dirt it's no just no no different. i get it yeah yeah if we can get an america you know and kenny was german but we really had like bob bernquist from day one 90 percent of people never knew he was a brazilian the day mm. i signed him we stopped doing that when he became really famous he went back to portuguese on his instagram and that sort of stuff so believe it or not that's scripted yeah, yeah. you're american <laughs> so kenny embraced that right you don't know how many people that now have known Kenny 10 years through me or friends machine gun kelly whoever they don't they would never have known he was from germany when he was over to Europe, he came to a Machine Gun Kelly concert. Um, he was talking to Rook and somebody else afterwards. They're like, I didn't know he was from Germany. <laughs> They've known him for over a decade. Yeah, That's yeah. scripted, right? Yeah. You know, he speaks perfect English. He looks like he's from California. He's blonde and good looking. I'm not even sure if some of his sponsors for a while knew he, back in the day he was <laughs> from Germany. So outside the industry. So that's a scripted plan. So for me with, with someone like Katie, you have the sister. I'd be using that audience, I'd be using Brian's. He's already doing, you're consolidating a giant audience for this kid. His platform is going to be exploded when he comes into racing and has success. And you know, Beaks, we all know Beaks, Chris that runs my motorsports division. He kind of handles, you know, again, the chase Sexton, the future of the sport, um, 
Casey McCochran, you know, all, all, Casey Cochran, all the young amateurs. I'll be honest, I'm a little busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not as day to day anymore, right? That's why I surround myself with great people. And Beeks has been in the industry longer than me yeah. uh, and becoming a great manager agent. Um, you know, Adam and Kenny were kind of my swan songs, I guess is the way I look at it. I'll never back out for them. So they always have me and those are my guys. But I, I'm not actively probably going to. But yeah, if Brian Deegan called me and said, you want to partner on my son? I'd be like, yes, <laughs> let's go. Let's figure this out. Because <laughs> yeah. that's just a, that's like, that's like, 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 that's just an outlier, right? That's not being in the sport. That's like, like, I'm not in the UFC or MMA, but I want to sign Sean O'Malley. Mm. He's an outlier. Yeah. Right? His hair, his look, his feel. I don't need to know UFC. You know, know I personally, Hunter that runs the UFC and Dana White, I can call them and get help. I mean, they're friends. He's a star. He's using his platform of fighting like Kenny was going to do a Supercross to then grow the sport outside. Yeah. And Sean O'Malley will be one of the biggest athletes in the world, not the biggest fighter, although he will be. But I'm saying yeah. he'll be one yeah. of the biggest yeah. athletes in the world. Lance Armstrong changed my bicycle. Kelly Slater changed surf. Yeah. I really think this Hayden kid could do that. Yeah. Because of Brian and his marketing experience. Yeah. Have you got any, uh, have you, have you actively pursued the Sean O'Malley thing? I would love to see that happen. I've followed, I've followed him since I he was had... like a, a an um, like pre UFC fight. I knew, I knew who he was and uh, I've followed him for, from day one. And I'm so glad he is as good of a fighter as his personality, you know, because he from dude from way back, man, I'm t like, like, I didn't even know, maybe like five years ago, whenever the, I saw him fight for the first time, I was like, holy fuck, like that dude's a star. Yeah. So that's that perfect storm, right? Um, your ability, personality, and wantingness all maxed up in one. It's a perfect storm. And so, yeah, I'm actively doing it. We are, uh, myself and two other of my colleagues. Uh, I met with who his day-to-day -day buddy, is, like his, his mentor, Tim. who's been helping him. Um, Imran. Oh yeah. Yeah. Brand yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah. Sean. Yeah. Um, I, I met with him in my office the other day and yeah, we've been months actively having some help from good old Dingo. Some other people that are respect us and we have mutual respect saying, uh, you know, we don't like to steal. So he's, uh, you know, we, we were told officially left his last agency. So now, yeah, we're, yeah. we're aggressively meeting with him and trying to get that done. And yeah, to me, that's a goal. It's a, it's a perfect storm. Um, I can sell him in fashion suits. I mean, he can yeah. have his own brands. You know, yeah. we as the family, when I relaunched the family, we also launched into a brand incubator for our clients or other clients and entrepreneurs where we launch brands from scratch. So Machine Gun Kelly's nail polish when he wanted to do Undone, that's actually launched by my sister company. They run the business, they operate it. They did all the design, they created it and everything. Um, we're doing some other brands like that. Like he's a guy that can own his own clothing company. He can own his own liquor like Connor did. He could well, do his he's own that weed brand as well. Will only be bigger. He's you know, a, he's, like, he's going to be a, a with or without me or us. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be one of the biggest athletes in the world. I just feel like that's somebody that we do provide. We do a good transactional job. I think if nothing else, parents should have us look at a contract and we are always going to do a better job to protect them. Yeah. But it's, it's when we can do everything else is a real value, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude, it, it's, it's uh, like, I'm a huge MMA fan and I've, I guess I've kind of been following that sport almost as, as long as Moto, but um, it excites me to, to even hear the potential like that, that I think a, that like you're interested in it just because of the ties back to our sport. Like, I think that's a, 
a super cool thing that we'd be able to kind of have that that crossover there but yeah i mean just from being a fan of his for so long and then knowing what you've you're capable of from a branding perspective and and just what he doesn't have like that's what kind of blows me away with sean is that the the level that he's got without a guy like you and and the the opportunities that that could create Crazy. and the mind-blowing it, it's me. actually and i heard uh, i heard him talk on his podcast saying that like he just dropped his agent um because i think that there's the you you might be able to speak a bit better on this but there's like the the sporting side of it where it's like sean o'malley probably doesn't need an agent to do his ufc deal like he probably understands what he should be getting paid per fight where he wants to fight like there's probably a guy like you doesn't really need to like dip into that world i guess even like legal with the contracts unless i can change something right forget about yeah well not even that just like in the sport like ken roxon got the first guaranteed contract ever Mm. he might have been able to get the same money from somebody else but But now imagine like think about that foreshadowing that when he got hurt if it wasn't guaranteed Look, a lot of brands are great people, but you're telling me they would have paid that long for... I mean, that was a lot of money. A, it was yeah. probably the biggest contract financially in the industry. B, it was guaranteed if he never put a leg over his bike again and got hit walking across the street. Now, it happened that he had an accident, but like that money was guaranteed forever. Every other motocross contract right now has injury clauses in it. His did not. Mm-hmm. So I would say for all these people that say, why are you paying an agent? especially the teams that say these to athletes. Yeah, well, I have yeah, a lot of yeah, years yeah. to saying, well, I'll tell you exactly why. I can give you a bunch of examples. Yeah, yeah. Um, Coogan accounts for young kids, all these sort of different things you can bring. What I would say to Sean Mamali is, you know what, you're probably right. So maybe we don't have the same commission as a fight because actually that's the least I'm interested exactly. in going to negotiate exactly. with Dana White and yeah, Hunter yeah, about yeah. what you're going to get paid. Having yeah. said that, the way my brain works, and I'll let a little secret out because I'm very confident in what I do, is my brain works though is put me in the room though, Sean. I'm there to speak about you, protect you. I'm not going to give you more money, but like, hey, Dana White gets asked for equity deals all the day. So, yeah. hey, Dana, thanks for that money. We're not even going to negotiate, just like Honda. At that time, there was another manufacturer willing to pay Kenny a little bit of more money. I couldn't have gotten a bidding war. I asked both manufacturers, I want a guaranteed contract. Honda said, yes, done deal. Yeah. To me, that was more important than money, which by the way, thank God I did that. Right. So this is the same situation. Put me in the room, Sean, because I actually respect and look up to Dana and Hunter so much. There's no ego here. They're going to make me rich and you rich. Yeah. They get more equity deals than any of us. And I think I'm pretty good at that. I've brought Ken Rocks and all my athletes, a lot of equity opportunities. There's nobody better than the UFC. And also the phones ring in there first. Yeah. So let's get a relationship. Let's build a relationship so that they respect me, I respect them. So when the phone rings, they call me and say, Steve, how could we evaluate this together as partners? So that's just one example of like five other reasons I say, Sean, put me in the room. Where I think other agencies meeting with, right? It's not going to be just us. He's meeting with everybody, I'm sure. They're probably pissed that he's not going to pay a commission or he doesn't want yeah, to involve yeah, with the prize yeah, purse yeah, or whatever yeah. else. It's like, that's like well, then, short-sighted. But then you haven't sense. done a good enough job. That's short-sighted because what I want to sit with Sean and go, if you really don't feel like I'm servicing you, then don't pay me anyway. But I know how much I invest in the athlete and how much I, how hard we work. So we deserve, even if it's low-hanging fruit commission, because I'm going to reinvest in the athlete. I don't think Ken Roxon would ever look back after me. I mean, if, if his car mats for his Escalade weren't in, I went and got those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to pay me for that. It's, he's already paying me. It's full right? service, yeah. So look, if you're non-transactional and you're full service, then people don't have a problem paying you. If you're a good person, I'm a good person, it'll all work out. 
Now, there's other things that I could argue all day long, and I have. I've charged less for athletes that are less work than other athletes. I've done that. I've sat down and go, look, I know you want to sign with us because who we are and whatever else, but I got to be honest with you, your social media and your marketing deals and all these sort of stuff, you're not as marketable. And I've negotiated commission less for that reason. I sleep better at night by doing that. Yeah. Not saying everybody has to do that, and I'm not trying to challenge, but like, it just depends on what your package is. Yeah. I feel really good about what, how we would present this and how we would serve as Sean O'Malley. And again, that was why the best thing I ever doing going into music was taking my learnings from other people and going into music and management and seeing how back backwards that industry was. Yeah, yeah. It was just easy to be more efficient, put more money in the client's pocket, work harder, and just really, it made us look good. It made yeah. the whole team look good. Yeah, and, um, and I think uh, so, there's a, I think there's a, there's a brand aspect though that, uh, like I don't think people understand the value of, of, of a brand and like a, an athlete like Sean in terms of being able to build, like, I mean, I was around Jeffree Star a bunch as random as this is. I was around Jeffree Star a bunch when I was in America and when he launched his cosmetics, I literally watched that fucking dude go from like staying in these cheap hotels. Like we're, we're all in Hawaii on this uh, film trip. And he was like in this cheap hotel in Hawaii and like just kind of living a very average life. And then it was like months later, I go into LA and then he's at a photo shoot that, that we were at. And then he's got a fucking bright pink Bentley that's off this cosmet, And he's just making like millions of dollars a week, like off this brand. And it's like, whoever the fuck did that? was just like an incredible uh, that that's like incredible deal making right there so it's like even you know yeah you might you might get these big contracts through the ufc and there's like there's big paydays and there's pay-per-view splits but it's like fuck even from a brand perspective it's like right i'll kind of help you with that you do your thing but we need to just like build these crazy brands and leverage who you are into a product that reflects that resonates with your fans and it's just fucking game over for everybody involved yeah, that's why I think I was blessed before being an agent, working in retail, you learn a lot, being in the marketing, mm. running a snowboard brand with small budgets, your marketing, and I just love what I do. And, and I think you just nailed it on the head. It's like, for me, I have several athletes that you would look at them compared to an NBA income or whatever, where because of creativity and equity and investment right or whatever, they have more money than those guys do. Like, there's... I have an athlete with me that we're in a women's beauty cosmetic brand together <laughs> and neither of us are ever going to wear the product, but you have to be a manager or an agent that cares and not transactional in order to want to bring those deals to your partner. I have another partner as an athlete that we make more money in real estate than we do. in this, I mean, honestly, millions of dollars. Um, but you got to want to, and you got to care that much. Like yeah. I, I take a lot of pride that I want. I, I just don't want to see, Again, you can't force it, right? Yeah. You know, I've unfortunately had clients that no matter how much I cry and beg them not to invest in something that I can't help them with or whatever else that have lost millions. And then you you hear those sad stories. But I know for a fact, at least I tried. Like I can yeah. look any athlete in the eye and say, there's no way you're going to tell me I didn't say not to write that check. It's not because I wanted to be right. It's because we got to be humble. Yeah. And we don't know anything about that person or that company or, or that. Part of the reason that incubator I started it's more yeah. to say no to clients that have friends and athletes that come in and say, you know, hey, man, you should start, you know, Ryan Sheckler, you should start this Taco Bell chain. 
And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's get some smart people to write a plan behind that and see if that's yeah, a yeah. business opportunity yeah. before we yeah. just go writing checks to my buddy I went to high school with, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Was, was it, so I guess like speaking into that world a little bit, was it, did you always know going into the, the management side of things in, in a, back then when you could say action sports, did you, was there like a crystal ball moment where you were like, this is going to be fucking huge. Like people just have no idea or was it very just fortuitous that you kind of started doing it and it, it blew up as you were kind of the guy that, you know, that was sort of the first. Yeah, I, I can't. I was not smart enough. I was at the right place at the right time. And if That's I'm awesome. totally honest, just like that Vale Associates, just like that Vale Associates story where I went to them first and said, you should open a snowboard shop. This is crazy. So I knew enough, just enough as being a decent skier before I got hurt and then falling in love with snowboarding. I knew just enough about like loving sports and growing up playing mainstream sports. Like I didn't grow up in action sports. I grew up in football, you know, in the city, in the hood, like you just played normal sports. And, um, I knew about IMG. I looked up to Mark McCormick and then my snowboarder friend, Kevin Jones said, have you seen Jerry Maguire? You should be my, you know, this, this story is even funnier, but we don't, I don't want to fill up your whole podcast, but um, I will tell you, and I tell this story and I look at everybody in the eye and can say this, I, you make your own luck. That's for sure. But you have to be stupid enough and humble enough. to. And here's how it goes. I went to IMG, true story, and said, I want to represent snowboarders. And I think action sports, like after that, like I think it wasn't even action sports back then. It was called extreme sports, which I fucking yeah, hate that word. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, want to, I was trying to explain to them is like, I think I can represent these snowboarders. Like I'm in the industry and they're starting to make money. And Kevin Jones, in fact, like I got a call from Reebok and this video game I did 1080 snowboarding with Nintendo is blowing up and like Tony Hawk and, and there's all these X games and X games was blowing up. And they literally, this is way back then. In fact, it's funny, one of the best agents who was Ryan Dudgey's agent, Mark Irwin, I didn't know him. I knew some people in the Denver office. We became friends, but like I actually went to one individual, which I'm not gonna throw him under the bus, and I said, like, hey, would you hire me or can like you teach me? I wanna be an agent like Mark McCormick when I had learned about him that he was in tennis when there was no money in golf. And I was like, there's no money yet, but I think this is gonna like again, to your point, not smart enough that I saw a vision. I just I think there's an opportunity here to 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 do something and at that point it was just snowboarding and in his own way just like Vale said that's the stupidest idea I ever heard and I was like okay this is gonna work because here's some college like mainstream tennis golf ski Olympic agent telling me it's a bad idea so literally that next day with a fax machine in my garage signed Kevin Jones as my first snowboarder and then Jim Rippey Teratakitis and it just went crazy because I was the only one like I had way too many clients if I'm honest and then all of a sudden I show up at Summer X Games and I've got First, second, and third in BMX vert. First, second, and third in street. First, second, third in skateboarding. The only person I didn't have was Tony Hawk back then. That's it. Everyone else that was winning, because there was nobody doing it, so I had a monopoly. And then what I said back when people asked me these stories years later, well, what happened? Like, IMG now is big. Octagon's big in action sports. IMG's big in action sports. I said, ego. And I have no problem saying it. And they say, why do you say that? I said, because even when I launched and I started becoming popular, Forbes magazine, nobody else to talk to, they talked to me. Outside magazine did a big story on me at Gravity Games. I started getting all this press. Here I am, this fucking high school dropout, have no business doing this, just trying to figure it out. Thank God hiring smart people at the time, a lawyer and a CFO who's still at Wasserman, um, is, is that I always look at it as the fast lane, middle lane, slow lane. Everything, just let's break it down, common sense. And if they were smart, 
there was a time when I started that they had so much money. I had no money. I was still broke. I worked for Lamar Snowboards for $28,000 salary. I had no money. I didn't get rich off the snowboard shop. That was a PhD. That was my college degree. Mm, I learned how to run mm, a business. Mm. Didn't do a great job. Definitely had some hood instincts back there and, you know, 20 bucks off the till type thing. You know, you just, you're just stupid and young kid. You're not paying taxes, whatever it is. And, and so you learn from all these mistakes. When I became the agent, I definitely was like, okay, I can't, I got to figure this out. And so started to ask questions and surround myself with smarter people. The dumb part was, is even when it was right in front of them, is their ego was that it wasn't big enough. To your point, there wasn't enough data to pay in the deals enough. But what I realized is that by the time they did realize it, and why the family and the Wasserman still be powerful in action sports is because they let me stay playing too long. Mm. And they figured it out. Because they, if they had done it, I'm not kidding, done it a year before. Because IMG became, got into action sports heavy. Didn't, so didn't all of a sudden other SFX, you know, other agencies started to do it really. If they had done it, like even in 2000, never mind, because I started, if they'd done it in 2000, it crushed me. Because I didn't partner with Casey and Wasserman and get money until 2002, 2003. But by then I was, I controlled everything. And at that point, also back in the day, I ran it pretty thought like it was a family. You didn't come after my clients and Mira had my back and Carrie Hart. These guys had my back. So even when they try to get like they just weren't leaving. And Dave Mira, by the way, was hesitant. Funny story is I had Ryan Nyquist first, another mm. brother in original family, even before Wasserman. And Ryan, Dave's like, who's this guy doing all this deals? Because Dave was big enough at the time. He actually had a football agent out of Philly. And he's like. This guy's done nothing for me. And here's Ryan Nyquist and I'm whooping his ass getting service and getting more corporate deals. And that's how Dave and, and we created Miracle Boy and Nyquist. Really, it was the both of them I had. And we dominated Dang. in money. I mean, dominated. Those that two. Miracle Boy and ever. Nyquist was my childhood. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like. Yeah. Those, I mean, it was all our childhood. Guys. And by the way, the craziest thing, Chip, the craziest thing was is people forget when we look at photos back then, they're my age. Their agent, I was like on the top of the vert ramp. I looked like Bob Burnquist. Like I look back at some of the photos going, what the fuck were you wearing? I looked like Bob or Dave. Like I was their age. So we had that bond that way. Thank God. Yeah. I wasn't some suit old guy right now. Like Casey Cocker, you know, this weekend called me, sir. I about turned around his mom and dad. I love they're walking down because Beak's handling. We're walking out of the pits and he's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was like, God damn it. I used to not have to listen yeah, to that, but yeah. I guess I'm just old now. But like there was a time that my clients were my age. They were my best friend. Like still they are, but it's like, it was different. And so back to that point was like, no, it was just pure street smart. I knew that if I worked harder and I build the faith and confidence in these guys and girls, they wouldn't go for just money. And it's crazy. Now I'm caught up in this NFL world and NBA world, dude, you wouldn't believe the shit I got to do. I mean, NFL is crazy. It's all money. Mm. It's all money. I sit there and bleed and tell them how much I will take care of their son. We will do things different. And it's like, how much money you got? How much money you got? How much? It's just crazy. So I think I was just blessed that I was at the right place at the right time. There's no doubt you make your own luck, but I worked hard and I built loyalty. And, mm. and actually, as much as the industry hated agents when I came in, snowboarding especially, um, I think it gives me a little bit of credibility that when Ken Block, God rest his soul, who negotiated against me at DC Shoes, which by the way, let's remember Travis's deal and Dave Mirror were not small DC shoe deals. They made millions of dollars out of that brand. Retired, sold the company, and chose me to be his agent. Mm. I just married Pete Fox and his wife. Right? 
if I was that much of an asshole or I was that bad, I negotiated against Pete Fox. Some of the biggest deals, would you not agree? In yeah, sport, Kerry yeah. Hart, Dave Mira, Fox, Ken Roxon, Fox, Adam Sansarillo, Fox, and Pete and I are really good friends. We kept business separate. He always used to say, that's not the guy, like a Ricky Carmichael, that's not the guy I hang out with. That's the mm. guy I do business with and he's a hard ass and he cares about his clients and he's gonna push you to be better. So you don't have to love me, just respect what we're trying to do together. And I think that's what happened early on. It helped me out a lot. We're talking 98, 99, 2002. Then 2003, Casey came around and just gave me a plethora of money in a good way and said, go be an entrepreneur. And that's when I just, it was game over at that point. And we ran that for 19 years. And Wasserman's still by far the most powerful action sports agency because when I left, I didn't steal and didn't, you know, I, I got a lot of brothers there still. Yeah, uh, there's a, a few and sisters, a few few places to go off that, uh, which is, is is super cool. But so yeah, to to your point as well, I think it's actually that's a that's a point that's worth making to any of the of the people that might be Steve Astafin haters is that you can't fake the length of relationships that you have had with people, and that's something that if you see like a high turnover of people constantly that's when you know that there's some kind of there's the well is not quite safe to drink from you know but when you see relationships that that have lasted like you said 20 20 plus years like there's something that's really there uh in there's there's uh there's some insight there to be gained 20 something years and also like i mean look when I left Wasserman, Travis Pastrana was, you know, he never even knew what Wasserman was. He was just, it's like he bled yellow Suzuki, blue Subaru, and Steve Astafin, right? Yeah, God bless yeah. him. Um, but in general, when I left, remember I, I mentored my, my family over there, and they stayed. And then what I'm most proud of, more than anything, is leaving a company and deciding to do what I'm doing on my own and not be as big and be a little different in diversity and stuff. And for whatever reason, though, like, you know, the Travis Clarks, the Lucases and whatever, this is the best part is someone like Carrie Hart, who I signed in 1999, is still a client. Mm. And he was my client till I left. But it was look, we're not he was at a different point in his career. He's retired. Right. Or uh, Ken Block or some of these guys, they were in different. I was starting over. Right. And I don't want to damage anybody. And, and again, when Carrie and I's relationship in business from 99 to 2010 was very different, right? In the prime, you mm -hmm. know, um, I was in his wedding. Like we were together all the time. And you can't say that relationships, I, I would agree with you that what I'm seeing in football and basketball now, it's like, if you can keep a client for four years, I kept, I kept good or bad relationship or not, or just no friendship, just business. I kept clients for decades. That's insane. Decades. Even when competition got stiff. And if anything, when I parted with clients, it was either mutual, right? Chad Reed and I were just not seeing eye to eye. We almost didn't want to ruin the friendship more than anything. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We just weren't seeing eye and eye where he was in his career. But like, I love that guy like a brother. We've been through war together and Ellie. And I have the utmost respect for where he's going in his next chapter in life. And I saw him yesterday and, you know, he's got his opinions. I got my opinions, but we stayed great friends. Mm. And, and I think he can't argue what I've done for him. Nobody can argue the work I've done. And so to your point, I think I'm proud of the new agents coming in. If they work as hard and they commit to the clients, the sport's going to be better for everybody, you know? Yeah, no, no. I, I, I see Lucas's passion for this. Lucas, Lucas was a fucking mechanic, and you know you can't argue the fact of how hard he's worked to become someone that truly loves those kids. Oh, you yeah. Know? And I'm sure he's learned through his career from me and stuff. Like at one point, I looked at him and going, "You're signing too many guys," you know. But he was like, "No, I could do this. I could do this." And now I think he's learning. Right? He's maturing. Um, and again, this isn't me talking behind them and they're all going to see this. They come talk to me about it. But like, I think everybody's got their own way of doing things. Right. And I'm, my way was a certain way, which was a work ethic and, and a loyalty that paid off, but it's not for everybody. And, and I'm sure, you know, like I said, I'd have to, I don't care how many times I screwed up. Like Ken Roxon wanted to kill me for defending him and going off on the mat, you know, and saying all that stuff. That's just, we should be able to yell at each other, right? We're friends, but he's yeah, my family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? I don't care. Go ahead. I, I'm willing to bet, and I will go on this. As an agent, go ahead and go try sign Ken Roxon. Go ahead and offer him a $200,000 signing bonus, see if he leaves me. It ain't yeah, going to happen. Not, it ain't happening. There's just a different relationship you build. And yeah. by the way, there's other agents that have that and that sort of stuff, and good on them, right? Yeah. And, but, but again, it's not always perfect. You know, Sean White, he's the only client I ever quit because I was at a point in my career when I signed him when he was like 10 that this was a lesson of why I didn't sign Shuckler so soon because mom and dad who are still my very close friends and I would Gretchen runs the foundation. She's been manager for me for years and I love her to death. But like in the beginning I saw they were doing a good job and they weren't willing to accept an agent. And so it's funny. The story with Randy was like, Steve never wanted you when you were really young and killing it. By the way, I didn't have him when he was winning all the X games at 13, 14, 15. I signed him when he was 16. And the reason was, is my lesson I learned in Sean which was there's a certain time, and Debbie Pastrana taught me this too. Debbie, the first time I ever came into Travis' life, she called me Satan. <laughs> that woman is literally the best reference I've ever had since then. If I, I don't do it anymore. We're all old enough to go on. Per, but when, when Travis, when, when Debbie let me survive and Debbie one day said, you got this, Steve, and backed out and kind of retired and went on to do something, get married, do her life, I built that trust with her, right? Now, I've had, when I was at Washington, I can name mainstream athletes that called that woman, like a mom and other moms, and that woman did nothing but saying, well, let me tell you the story about this guy, and this is why I trust him with my son's life. That's what I want to hear. Mm. I want a mom. Gretchen Sheckler would do the same. But if I signed Ryan Sheckler when he was 12, 13, 14, 15, when they thought they could do this, and they had it all under control, I would have lost Ryan. Instead, I signed Ryan at 16, and as you know, he's still my client. Yeah. Today, I just finished a deal for him. Twenty. Yeah something years later he's 35 whatever it is so that to me is the difference with sean i quit because again it's not sean and sean and i became friends and maybe i did him a favor is that his mom and dad at the time it, there was no letting go yeah, yeah and yeah, i was a yeah. little bit concerned with that and 
funny enough, Sean got another agent after me and that person quit. And then Marco and IMG got the hall pass because Sean probably woke up and yeah, there's got to be a, a going, point where okay, something's yeah, not right yeah, here. Yeah, there's got to be to your point, something must be going wrong here if agents keep quitting, right? Yeah. So people could say that's not facts. That's facts. What happened? I quit. Yeah. He didn't quit. And then the next agent quit too. So uh, I, I think there's something to be said about what you're saying. Is it? It's just a work ethic. Oh yeah, and, and yeah, and, and you see it everywhere. You know, like riders and mechanics. You see, you know, people that stay in teams for a long time. You see, like longevity in relationships is something because there's like a compounding effect that happened it isn't like a linear growth factor like you're in kenny's relationship over time there's like a compound curve that happens so when you see a 20-year relationship you see a 15-year relationship there's so much more like a 15-year relationship isn't one plus one plus one plus one for 15 times it's one plus two plus three you know it in the way that it it sort of grows the other thing that was interesting that you were saying before is being the guy's age the same age at the time that they were kind of doing their thing people asked me how that people had never heard of me for like just completely no one and then i start doing the podcast and people like how the fuck does this guy have like all these people on this podcast and they all seem like they know him and they all seem like they're friends and that was because when the first time i met kenny was motocross the nation's 2010 he was 16 i was like 20 maybe and me and him run a fucking muck yeah. uh at, at motocross and i was a filmer for yeah. red bull like i was there we were filming and then it was like cameras down cool like what can we do where's some girls where's some like let's yeah. let's have a fun weekend yeah. together and it was like the same with dino and th- there were these guys that i was growing up as a filmer that and there was no instagram and there was no like there was no way i could kind of get known out of it but i was growing up with these with these guys and and man seeing kenny in melbourne like we sort of lost touch over the last couple of uh of years but you know like to see him like that's a that's a guy i've known for so long and like i feel like i spent when he first moved to america he had that apartment in on hot oh, like winchester and i live just up the road in hot springs and he like there was no girls coming to the house there was no nothing and we pretty much had like a frat house so like literally kenny would like get home do his shit and then he'd be up at our house for dinner and like we had a hot tub and there was a room there like you know the whole the whole sort of deal and it's like yeah. that doesn't happen and you don't form that relationship if you're not around the same age and like growing up together and going through relationships like i saw one of his so relationships what yeah. you know like one of his relationships i was like Mm-mm, like i ain't cool with you know like that we ain't cool and then yeah. you know you get the phone call where it's like oh we broke up and you know you go through these things when you're like young with somebody and i think that that i guess that's to reference back to the relationships that you must have had with these guys as a young dude growing up and you're just like grabbing for every dollar for them that you can because you've got no money at the time and it's like they're your fucking boys like that's your family you're growing up together you're growing you're you're navigating this like crazy life together and that does something to people you 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 nailed it on the head just because like again i hope people learn from this is that not only that but that's also where the mistakes were were acceptable right like you know, we made mistakes together. That's why I think like a Ken Roxon, a Ryan, not so much Ryan because he was still in it, but no, no, for sure Ryan because of where he was in his career. Um, 
they have the benefits of my knowledge now and the, and by the but the mistakes I made with Dave Mirror even before that some of the snowboarders right and it's like um, why I never pay an agent a commission meaning I know our clients pay us a fee we call it right for what we do but I learned very on as I used to take deals when there was fax machines like the first snowboarder that I had or the second snowboarder these guys were blowing up and a deal would come over and I'm like I gotta make rent yeah, so I yeah. took the deal if I had waited a month or if I said no or didn't need the money I might have been able to get 25% more. I can, right? I've changed every time I've accelerated. Like, it's funny, uh, 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 another agent I really respect, like I told you, Mark Irwin at IMG, I had done a deal for Bruce Irons at Oakley that the industry heard mm. about rumors. And, you know, when Bruce signed with me, he had different m and agents, whatever. And he said, look, I just, I want to see you to push the envelope. And I could just say, like, for example, in Red Bull, I think they got the value, but like when he didn't have representation, let's say his doll was $5. I didn't make it to six. I, I literally changed it to make, you know, 15 or 20, let's say, right. That's just null. You know, I was able to take experience, whatever else. And I think I had enough of a respect to prove and, and also ask the questions to other people. The Oakley one was interesting because I told Bruce after we did the deal is like, when we go in, you're going to do a black sunglass and you're going to do the gas can. And he's like, why? I said, well, the way I structured this, just trust me. And, a, they don't, I don't think Oakley, I'd have to get this from the facts. I've heard rumors that they'll not structure and they call it the Bruce Irons deal ever again. When I say he killed it, so Sean White, you'd argue, was the biggest athlete in action sports by a landslide back then when I did this deal. He had already won the Olympics, the whole thing, tomato. And his agent called me and said, you don't have to tell me details, but from what I heard, I assume I have to go renegotiate Sean's deal. And I said, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Bruce's deal was huge. Enormous. And... Blair Marlin and Surf, Dane Reynolds deal, maybe you heard, you know, that yeah, deal yeah, was yeah. just Shout out to Blair, of. I miss Blair, yeah. how's he going? I miss Blair, he's great, that's, still, that's awesome, I mean, that's my brother, my best yeah, friend, I yeah, mean, that yeah. is my brother and always will be my brother, I mean, we're such a good dude. talking every such day, a good dude. Um, such a good dude, but when he came on, that was the best thing about Blair was, he didn't do one of those deals for the first couple of years. He would bring me to every single deal. Like people in the industry said like Blair did that deal. It's like, no, Steve, did that. that's how he learned. I mean, he, he learned from Ken Block at DC when he worked at DC things that he took on. Now Blair, like he just did a deal like a week ago or a month ago, whatever he called me and he goes, I just, I had to call you and say, I'm really proud of something I did and I can't go into detail, but he goes, yeah, I yeah. learned this from like, he's doing this. He would crush me now in surf negotiations because he's now at that like security where it's like, no, I know what's right. I know how to negotiate this. And I've taught him just enough that now he does it his own way. He's probably doing better. Well, no, he is than I would do. Um, so I, I'm super blessed and so proud of these people that are now helping athletes and clients. But the story back to what you're saying is like what you're saying about friendships is I was the same age we made mistakes, but I actually am 10 times better the last, like when I did become older, you know, like when yeah. I signed Ken Rocks and I was in my third, late thirties, almost four, I probably would have been. I've had him since he was on KTM lights. So what is that? Yeah, no shit. That is a long time ago. So I was probably still in my thirties, not 40. Um, but but I was older, right? I wasn't twenty five. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Dave Mira was twenty six, uh, twenty three. You know, like we we're the same age. So to your point, we partied differently. We hung out to differently. Now, if I'm in the club with my client, Machine Gun Kelly, I'm the sober one at yeah. eleven in Miami three weeks ago at five thirty in the morning. I'm putting Dingo in the car. He's so messed up. I'm yeah. sober drinking water. Back in the day. I was probably the one you, you need to babysit me too at yeah, yeah, you know yeah. with Kerry Hart in the nightclub in Las Vegas. So now it's just it's it's a different role, right? Like I um Kenny experienced that in New York. It's like I was babysitting the whole time to his first trip to New York City. So my maturity's made me different. But back to the commission thing, it's like Beaks, I don't pay him 
a percentage of what he makes off Chase or, or whatever else because then he's not going to do the right deal for Chase. Yeah. I mean, Beeks yeah. is a partner, so it's different. But any agent, to me and my thing, I don't incentivize because you're going to take the deal to make rent, maybe not the deal for the client. Yeah, so if I pay you yeah. properly, of course we can bonus you when you're not going to have a pop. But if I pay you fairly, you know you're getting paid, so maybe you will say no for that client. Brands can hate all that that I'm saying that. Our job is to make a fair deal. I don't think I've ever done a deal where I walked away and the brand said, I got totally fucked. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we've both walked away where I didn't win 100%. You didn't win 100%. Otherwise, Pete, why did you give me deals for 20 years? Yeah. If it was that bad the first time, you know? And and I think, and, I, and my hat's off to Kerry Hart for this because he taught me this too. The way Kerry left brands, he taught me that because we're the same age. It's like, do you remember the time he left Fox, left No Fear, went to No Fear, then went to Hurley, then went back to Fox? The reason we could always go back to Fox, he'll give me a little credit for this, is we always were respectful. Mm. It's when you fuck people, you can't go back. And think of how many times Kerry Hart left Fox and got to go back. Yeah, it's because he was a good man. Yeah, and he he even made sure I did things right. He used to in interviews say I was a pit bull, but man, that guy knew what he was doing too. You know? Oh yeah, and, and so you, you should the, be a pit bull. Like, I've you learned be these the guys guy. are the same age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I try not to be as much anymore. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of like, I found you, other you ways to do it. Yeah, but you should be their guy, where they like you're. You're the fucking. They're the quarterback, and you're the offensive line. You know, like that's sort of in my mind. Like yeah, if I was yeah. a an athlete, like I'd want to be the quarterback, and I'd want my yeah. agent to be like, "Ain't no yeah. motherfucker sacking me," you know. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think I I. I think all those veterans and God rest his soul, Dave or, or, or anybody else, but Carrie, yeah, we learned together. I, 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 I truly think, um, Carrie, Travis wouldn't say this cause he's just crazy and we're still, he's going to race. I mean, he's just still going. So we just have <laughs> no. a great relationship and we do yeah. great stuff. But, but I would say, you know, Ryan Nyquist, I think, you know, he's still at Wasserman, although retired, you know, Ryan Nyquist, Dave Mira, Bucky, Bob, even the guys that are now long gone. When we go back to the day, we learn from me, like they raised me, I raised them. I yeah, think yeah, I, yeah. I definitely changed their life. They'll all say that. But I also just learned like, you know, Kerry was one like Kerry challenged me like I didn't want him to do a race team. And then he's like, I'm doing this race team. So therefore, you're helping me to your quarterback. He's leading. He's like, now you go get these deals, or you do this and you do that. Yeah. So they challenged me back then, and and now I can be a little bit more calmer and I can choose things and I I have more leverage maybe. But back then again, I was also more of like insecure, where I'm like, I had to, I felt like I had to fight these brands or fight this person or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. You don't yeah. need to. So there's yeah. different ways. So uh, when before you talked about. Uh, when Casey Wasserman enters the chat and and throws money at you, like what's that period of your life like to go from a guy that was making twenty eight thousand dollars off his you know snowboard deal and then had these clients rough as guts like just uh, you know the the family and then it it turns into Wasserman and there's now like millions of dollars coming in like what does that do for you as a person? What does that do for your business? Like, how was that time? I mean, it was the greatest time of my life. I mean, he, Casey, Mike Watts, the other people within that company. I, I mean, I was a partner, so there still was, there was really only four partners ever, even though they're like thousands of employees now. It's just the way there's one name on the door in a good way. That's his company. He'd do what he wants. I choose to call it the family for a lot of reasons. I did originally and I do now. Um, but Casey gave me the security blanket. He was my first lesson in, without him knowing this, him and Mike 
I was really scared always. I was scared because mm. I come from nothing. I have mm. nothing. If I lost mm. all the money today, I honestly don't care. I just go back to teach snowboarding <laughs> because I really don't like it is fine with me, whatever. And trust me, I make way less than I made at Wasserman. Um, I, I, I had a run with him that I will never, I can't, I just, I, I can't even fathom the flexibility, the zero micromanagement. He never let me hang myself, but truly like I come to him and I'm like, I want to do this. I want to direct commercial. He's like, go. And so all that was, and, and he's blessed to come from money and have money, but even if he didn't, he trusted me for whatever reason. I think part of the issue now with what they're doing and others is that eventually you kind of lose that, like in the sense of, you got to be willing to give equity and to keep great people and stuff like so the way I'm building the family now is is the majority, you know, I'm hoping if we ever exit or sell or we grow to a point with real EBITDA, I want my receptionist to win. Mm. Um, but, you know, Beaks has equity. Chris is a real partner in my company. Um, I want everybody to have equity. I, I just believe that this company can't be Steve Astafin. It has to be the family. And therefore, you deserve everything I have that I got from Wasserman when I left. That he bought me out. I, I did well. Um, but, you know, back to your main question, you said, what was that like? I mean, it was 19 years of the best, best years of my life. I mean, he gave me things I never, I flew on a private jet. I had jet hours. Like, you, you understand, I lived in a car with my mother and went to food banks to get food. Now, some would say, is that good or bad? I'm going through with a client right now. When, you know, let's just remember, I was on the cover of Dub Magazine. I had five cars. I had diamond earrings. As Dingo would say, when he met me, I had leather pants on. You get caught up in it because I had nothing. I yeah. came. No, no, it's true. He never <laughs> will let me forget that. But like, I think they were Gucci or some shit. Um, and now I'm wearing like a $50 sweatsuit. Um, Which is the millionaire uniform. You just change now. and you learn. Right. Yeah, that's true. What am I talking about? <laughs> so you just you learn things as you go if you choose to. Some people don't. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, to my po to your point is like all he did different, man. And there, some would say he got a good deal. I got a good deal. It's like negotiation. But you know what he gave me? He gave me a security blanket to become, in my opinion, I changed this industry. I had that backing to go do whatever the fuck I wanted to do. And I was going to be financially set whether I close another deal or not, because as long as I grew the business for him, he was going to take care of me. Um, I could hire who I wanted, which I built that team, you know, Blair, Travis Clark, Lucas Blair, Marital, yeah, Bob yeah. Moore, Jimmy Button. They weren't there. They weren't part of the family. Some, some were, but like I got an access of cash and money to grow a real business and be an entrepreneur. And he never stopped me. Um, so it was just, it was the best times of my life. I mean, that's my brother. Uh, I still, we text, we talk and dinner if we see him or whatever, but I love that guy like a, like a, like a brother. It's just, um, you know, what I do now, and another thing that Ken Block, I have to, you know, I thought I would get emotional even talking, but I, I think yesterday was such a great day mm. that I don't have that. But something Ken said to me is like, Ken always gave it to me, even in bad times when I came to him and I said, look, I made this mistake with a relationship, whatever. And he looked me in the eye and he goes, look, I'll get your back in public, but I'm going to tell you to your face, you're a fucking idiot. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Whatever. Like, he always gave it to me straight. He is mm. older, he's 55, and he was a mentor. He had five years on me and he sold his business for hundreds of millions. And even though he would call me super agent, I just found that Instagram and, you know, thanks to my super agent, all this sort of stuff. He was a lot to do with, again, like Carrie was for me and everything is 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 differently because we're all the same age. Ken was like a mentor. I really looked up to him and, and he would say that I did a lot of great things, but he did incredible things for all of us. And that's why we saw the outcome we did yesterday at his at his celebration of life. 
Um, but the thing that Ken, you know, would teach me through these things in business, but also personal was, um, I think I just got lost track cause of probably thinking about him too much, but is that, um, Ken said something to me that was probably knocked me in the head to realize where things were going. You get caught up in it, private jets, yeah, yeah, making yeah. a shit ton of money, all this sort of stuff. As he said, you know, Steve, when I became really successful, I realized I couldn't run DC anymore. And he hired a guy named Nick Adcock, Australian guy. And he said, I'm a good CEO because Ken's similar, right? Didn't, wasn't really a college, even though he went to art school, architect, you know, that sort of stuff. He, he didn't grow up with a lot. He didn't he have an MBA. Very humble buildings. He had to, f didn't have an MBA, didn't have all that stuff. And he said, you know, you got to realize how good you are as a CEO. And I always say now is like still today with 35 years in what I do, you know, whether it be retail, 40, you know, I was 21 when I opened my first business. I am not a qualified CEO at a certain amount of employees or partners and a certain amount of revenue and sort of stuff. I just, I know my numbers now. And that's kind of like the Wasserman thing. When you get to a size with HR and 1600 employees and financials and banks and debts and you know in a good way some people that's for everything but for me i'm just not smart enough mm -hmm. I mean, i'm willing to say i'm just not i'm not i can't manage that many people i like to tell it how it is and in this day and age sometimes you can't do that you know i still can't do it and i'm a startup for god's sakes if i call somebody an idiot i'm fucking going to you know, yeah, yeah. whatever so I'm yeah. trying to be political I'm yeah. talking just you and me not to say I said that I'm just saying I said that yeah. you know, we're, we're living in a different world right yeah. and I think that like it took me a long time to realize that I thought I could be the king and what I realize now is that like I can't wait I always tell people now and they think I'm kidding it's like the family's looking for a CEO I'm just temporary if we build what I think we can build across football, baseball, basketball, action sports, music, whatever, we're going to build an empire that is at a point where I don't need to say the number, but like I can't be the CEO anymore, but we're going to hire somebody and have a partner who's going to teach all of us. Because what I'm really great at is managing talent and representing yeah, talent. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a qualified CEO. I'm a CEO because I'm an entrepreneur, right? I can't even be a CEO. I don't think of a publicly traded company. I didn't even graduate high school. <laughs> you know, there's legalities to that. Yeah. Um, you know, so look, again, because of Mike Watts and Casey Wasserman, Mike Watts was the CFO, now the president and a partner. I, I just learned how to become that. Like, yeah, maybe I could get away with it even higher than I used to be able to, right? I think I'm doing a pretty decent job and I'm up to 46 uh, employees, partners, whatever you want to call it. And I think they'd say you're doing a good job, Steve. But I, I don't, I know that what my goal is with the family when I cap out, which I'm not trying to be an IMG, a Wasserman or whatever. I won't be small. I'm already not small. You can't, with what we're doing, you're not small. But I will not jump the shark again. And there yeah. was a time when I don't do well with a banker telling me you got to commission more. You can't be creative and take an equity deal. It's just not my way of thinking things like I'll make money. I'm very good at what I do. If the shit hit the fan right now, we're out of business. I go grab three clients and work out of my garage and promise you make more money than I ever thought I'd make in my life. Yeah. But I think I could do something really special again. I think I did a pretty good job the first time. And now I always say, I'm going to take the 25 years and not all the great I learned. But I'm going to take the 25 years of my mistakes and not make them again. I'm not going to let Beeks make the mistake. I'm not going to let my president of the NBA make the mistake. It's not because, and I think they truly believe this, not because I know it all. It's because I fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally and in business, this is what I want to mentor. Do as I, you know, do as I say now, not as what I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, take some experiences. Look, I think I did put snowboarders on the map and skateboarders. I think I put, you know, milk mustache ads were I did the first ads of any skate, you know, other than Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk was only Tony Hawk, but like 
I did stuff. And then I brought that into basketball with Clay Thompson and some other guys. And then golf with Ricky Fowler. Like, I'm proud of, by the way, all those things I did, everybody's like, it's like Ken Block's Jim Connor. Let's talk about him again with Pastrana taking it over. But Jim Connor, all that was was a skateboard and snowboard film. He just went into an industry and said, Steve, they do zero content in motorsports. If you look at Jim Connor, it's trick porn. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how we sold snowboards. We yeah. couldn't afford ads. So you know what I did? I'd do a like steak and lobster. It was a snowboard film we did for our snowboard team with FLF films back in golly, I'm gonna really age myself, ninety seven, ninety six, ninety five. And it was VHS. But guess what? We sold fifty thousand units and ten kids in each bedroom watched it with their buddies, and that's what sold snowboards. Yeah. All that is today is called Instagram Reels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we were bringing content into golf with Ricky Fowler or into basketball with Clay, it was a cheat code for me. I had a cheat code because I had been doing this for years, and that's why Wasserman led that in those other worlds. And that's why Ken Block led that in motorsports. He did, to your point earlier, back to it, you're not recreating the world or the wheel. Be humble and go do your research and learn from other places. Yeah. I really hope Feld's watching live the live tour and WS I hope WSX and, and Feld are watching the live tour and PGA tour and seeing a, a dis- explosion of something that didn't have to happen if they all just got together. Yeah. If the NCAA woke up and at least took care of college athletes, we wouldn't be dealing with a shitstorm of a wild, wild west called name, image and likeness NIL. It is a disaster. This is worse than when athletes got paid illegally. Mm. It's, it's just cause there's no structure. It's the wild, wild west. Yeah. But the NCAA didn't, you know, nobody got out and was motivated to because they're like, oh, everything's perfect. You yeah. Know? Yeah. PJ Tour live. Yeah. It's the same yeah, thing. Same, now same. WSX, they're 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 mixing it up, man. Adam, those guys are hungry. Yeah. Hats off to them. Uh, yeah, definitely. I want to want to touch there, but uh, to to stay on this uh, topic a tiny bit, like it's always been something that has been fascinating for me coming from the background that I come from like I come from a tiny suburb in a tiny town in the very north of Australia and then like to to get to the places where I got to in America and to be around the people and the the what like kind of what I saw you know like it was always very interesting to me to watch the way money could fuck things up for people and like big checks and big money and what it did to people how it changed them and then the always either people like lost all the money and then they realized that the money was not what they thought it was or they got so much money that they didn't need money anymore and then they realized that money wasn't what it thought it was what they thought it was but either way at the end of the day it seems like most people eventually saw through the concept of of money in in that sense and i'm like hyper conscious of it even in as i try like i want to grow my business and I want to make more money and I want to be able to then see that like filter into the different places that it can filter out into you know the sport or like all sports in general or whatever but uh, it's interesting for me to I guess get to ask you that question as someone that just saw such an influx of cash and the ways that it maybe ruined your life in some aspects but then in the ways that it changed your life in others (laughs) completely changed my life i mean i am so grateful that the majority if not 98 percent of my clients they've listened to me but didn't copy me you know i i blew money i mean when i was younger and i came into money 
it's funny though. I was still telling my clients to save money, but I was just like, it's keeping up with the Joneses. What is this called again? This is easy. This is going to be the theme of, of, of podcast insecurity. Yeah. Because I mean, I just have, I, because of the, whatever I wanted to blame at the time, whether it be was like I was made fun of cause I was broke or I had cheap pants or whatever it is. I overdid it. Yeah. I just overdid it in my younger years. And I was a hundred percent caught up in keeping with the Jones, keeping up with the Joneses, which is a famous saying that nobody believes it's facts. And again, I'm going to go back to it to say I would be if the last six or seven years of my life, money does not matter to me anymore. And a lot of people say, well, that's because you were successful. That's because you were. No, 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 no. I am totally fine, especially the way I'm doing this now and how much money I've put into this company and what I'm doing. I could realistically be broke in two years, but I won't be because I'll just work yeah, yeah. and I'll be fine with that or I'll go find something. And, you know, I don't live in the type of house I lived in when I actually was less successful. <laughs> you know, I had mansions and four cars. I have one, okay, two if you call the Bronco. But, like, at one point I think I had, like, a Porsche. I had uh, two SUVs, a Mercedes. <laughs> like, I, back again, my athlete, I learned. Like, it's like Mira and I, we would just blow through money. Now, again, thank God, like, when he died, his trust, and I was part of that, and everything else he set for his he left his girls and his and his wife set um these are just some of the mistakes personally i'm so glad i guided my team better and my my staff but like y you just you make mistakes i made big mistakes i blew money my friend gambling dude i used to go to vegas reed and i we dropped six figures in a night like it was crazy and I can say this because he's vocal about it because I like to keep confidentiality, but Ryan Sheckler, I mean, he says all the time, I used to yell at him at the end of the year when he was going to clubs, blowing 100 grand a year, 100 grand a year. It's great to have him now still as a client. He's mentoring my young athletes saying, you know, now he's sober, rehab, all this sort of stuff. But he's like, even if I wasn't sober, went to rehab, I wish I had just listened to Steve because he used to say that's 200 grand you got to make to go blow 100 because people yeah. think it's dollar for dollar. You got you to you pay, you gotta pay taxes man. on that yeah. money. Yeah. And he goes back between the liquor store down the street when he was in his party mode and the, in the clubs. You're talking millions, millions of dollars. I have another client that listened to somebody who shouldn't have listened and put money into this house development and private jet investment, whatever else, lost millions of dollars. Like, and I just, that's when I changed, just to be honest, what I changed now, like you could call it micromanaging, but I bet if you call Ken Roxon right now and Courtney, Ultimately, their money. By the way, that guy is set for life and then another life and another life. I which have no problem be. saying that. Which he should be. But what he should be. But having said that, the thing I'm most proud of is he wouldn't, for a while, buy a pair of shoes in the that were over a hundred dollars unless he called me, and he listened. Yeah. He. By the way, he listened. Travis Pastrana listened a lot. I mean, ninety-eight percent listened. Right. They listened. You, you're going to be set for life. And Morgan Stanley, and this is starting to get used public without the person's name. But I, I, I mean, Kenny loves this is they're using some of these action sports guys graphs when they're pitching NFL players. I mean, if you look at his net worth from when I signed him to where it is now, it is not a it's straight up. You know, and I'm not saying Adam Sansarillo, Russ Stratton was a good agent. He was a good agent for Adam. But for what other other reason and his whatever else, nobody really paid attention to what he was saving. And I can honestly say, and this is why you get help. 
is that he, it changed his life when he signed with me on how he budgeted and how he spent and saved and earned. Mm. And I have, I'm a very proud, if I do nothing else for that, for my players and my athletes, is I just gonna beg them not to make the mistakes I made. Yeah. Beg. And I can look them in the eye and say, I did this. Well, you just, you gotta, I got a client right now that's not even in sports, but it's, it's a little bit of a gambling issue. And I'm sitting there going, man, you don't, I've lost, mil- you cannot do this. We always think we won. You don't win in gambling. Mm. So, do yeah, as I, I mean, say, not as I do. Do what your mentor says, do what your agent says, your manager says, whatever it may be. Yeah. And I help young agents coming in, and there's a few of them. I see them around in different areas and different places. Don't be cooler than your client. Mm. And don't take three bites of the apple before they get one, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like, I'm so blessed that I can actually look at people in the eye and know that I, I treat my, my clients and I, I take what's deserved and only what's deserved. And it's, uh, you know, if my athlete goes and does an equity deal, I don't commission that. Yeah. Come on. And I just think it's got to be, you got to be able to really look at yourself when you're done with this and go, fuck yeah, I made mistakes and I'm willing to admit those, but I did everything I could. Yeah. And I think that's really, really, really important. And, and it's kind of what you're saying is that like, young you got to be you got to be smarter than that you will regret it just trust me i tell like new relationships now and everything everybody's always like well what do you think you know it all it's like no i've lived through 20,000 divorces like it's not me i've lived through my clients getting divorced and i've been through death and suicide and these things like i'm old now you know i mean i literally this is no joke i've been involved with probably over 2 dozen prenups and double the amount of divorces. So all I can do when Kenny and Courtney to go get married is I say, this is how it's going to work. And it's going to be fair. Cause all we're doing is pre-negotiating the worst result. Yeah. Yeah. And Taking like a that, lot of like, people will be away. like, or the wives being like, yes, yes. And you know what? If a guy's an asshole, then he deserves to lose some money on the deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, but let's pre-negotiate this stuff. And so like, I'm not trying to say I know, know it all. It's just more like I've been through some shit. Yeah. From childhood all the way up. And so if I can look at a client in the eye and just say, please, will you please just trust me? Like, I'm not going to say no. I know back in the day, even Ryan, like there's people like when he bought the Ferrari, they're like, oh, here we go. He's spending too much money. No, no. You deserve bonuses. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan wanted a Ferrari two years before he got it. He wanted a Ferrari two years before he had it. He's done this on podcast. I love now when they get older, they tell these great stories. And Ryan says, no, 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 I waited two years. Somebody says, why? Steve said I had to win X Games and Gravity Games in one year. That's how I got it. And it was bonus. So again, that's unearned money. Ken Roxon, when he was on a tear, Ken never, Ken lived off a base salary. Every royalty, every bonus check, every everything, never saw because you already, you live without winning. So why do you, your bonuses should go away? Why do you need them? Take after taxes. You win a hundred grand, hundred fifty grand a race win. That hundred fifty grand, take away the taxes, put the rest away because you didn't plan. You didn't go out there thinking you're going to beat Eli. He whooped your ass four races in a row. So why do you need that money so bad? But then you want to set a goal. Ken's Audi, which he still has, right? Like when you're spending that kind of money in a car, he won a championship. <laughs> so. There's a difference when you're just spending it as you make it versus you set a goal and your financial advisor and your business manager says, and your agent says, you know what? You earn this. Yeah. So once again, back to the haters, they all hated on him. They didn't realize that kid could have bought four Ferraris. Yeah. yeah, Let him yeah do what yeah. he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so I, that, that conversation, uh, so we're at the press conference in Melbourne. Uh, and then I, I kind of, I guess 
laid out what I saw Ken's next move should be when it comes to the WSX. Basically, to paraphrase, I guess I, I said, like, you go back to them and you ask for, you know, $3 million to sign as a guy that will, you know, be their series. You said five in the back, so maybe you already had a number uh, in your head. But, I mean, in, in my mind, like, th- there's there's one school of thought that says, like, you probably... Like you probably shouldn't be trying to just bring all this money into the sport. But if you just look at economics across the world, like from the industrial revolution to like, so when we went to basically like banks figuring out how to lend money uh, and then run an economy off debt, like that's when the world boomed. Like that's when living standards went up. That's when GDP went up. That's when technology, like, so there's some, there's some history that says that like more money is better, right? for everybody so for me i like lay out that plan i'm like ken should get paid for this like the wsx like they've got some investment they've got some money there i don't know exactly what it is but it's like pay the guy pay this guy that can you know put this sport on your on his back you know leverage off of what he has spent his life creating and becoming you know, give him his Conor McGregor moment with a Supercross in Germany where he gets to be, you know, then you, like you said, you hire a PR firm in Germany to promote the absolute shit out of the the, the boy coming home, you know? So w- I guess, what do you think of, uh, you know, the potential when it comes to that World Supercross? Can he now be in the guy that, that won the championship? Maybe, you know, how the deals get structured, you know getting paid going forward in that like i guess what are your thoughts around that whole kind of question that was posed yeah here we go and so anybody that's got a problem with my answers just call me you have my cell phone it's on the internet everybody else finds my cell phone so no one's gonna love what i say probably and i don't i don't really care um because it's just being honest so when you said three million i said five million some people are like are you joking what i'm trying to say here is that when you bring someone like Ken Roxon and any of these top guys, it's like the live tour. You have to understand and the public sometimes doesn't do this in perception versus reality. Cause I heard from WSX that even some riders and teams were pissed that they paid Kenny. Yeah. So my answer to that is, well, they didn't pay you cause you're not worth it. It's that simple, right? Because the live tour didn't pay everybody the same. The live tour didn't pay, you know, everybody, they paid the people that can move the radar or build structure or win. And if Ken Roxon, it's the same thing, totally honest, if he goes back to WSX or outdoor, whatever. Right now, this is the unfortunate situation, is that he is paid to race Supercross and Outdoor Nationals, just like the PGA player was paid to play in the PGA. He is paid to win a Supercross title and an Outdoor title. If you don't help me justify why not, like there's no more like, he did something that was just industry changing. He walked away from a two and a half million dollar contract for way less money because Honda threatened him and he did it. There's not a lot of guys that would have done that. Holy shit, by the way. Yeah. Hats yeah. off to him. Yeah. Full, That's full facts. Cre- yeah. That and was the only term of the clause. That's the only term in the clause. I don't care what Honda did. Get me on the lie detector with them. The only thing was Ken can't race WSX. Every other term was agreed. Okay. So whatever. And by the way, I'm a huge supporter of what Honda's done for riders, the industry, Chase Sexton, Jet Lawrence, Ken Roxon for all those years they support him. Yeah, the contract said it, but they still overdid it. Like they were unbelievable. But whatever reason, old school mentality, felled threatening, whatever it is, 
they wouldn't let all the manufacturers against WSX right now. So the only way it's going to work is you pay to play. Mm. Okay. And, and, and right now I know that's frustrating for Adam to hear and his partners, but it's the reality is that if you want these guys, you as part of your investors have to look at this as a loss leader to build the business. Mm. I think that's a great investment. If I was running this thing and I'm not, and I already told you, I'm not a great CEO, but I would have went to this investment company, this this private equity money they had, and said, "Hey, just FYI, right now, I need what I call slush fund," and I probably would have budgeted around forty million. Mm. Now, if you look at the history of Supercross, Feld, last time I checked, they're billionaires. They paid a lot of money for Supercross and Monster Truck. Last time I checked, it's paying pretty well, right? So. There's obviously a business there, and I would argue that the Brazilian and the Japan, Brazil, Japan, whatever, you're going to do bigger numbers than you do in the States Indo, as you grow this thing. Indonesia, massive, bro. Oh, my God. Massive. Outrageous. And by the way, in Japan and in, Aust- in Japan and Indonesia and Brazil, even though it's a poor, you could actually charge a premium if you had the best riders. You could charge a premium. And no billionaire is a billionaire because they spend stupid money. You would have to show them. When I went to look at buying Supercross when I had Wasserman money, I just didn't like Monster Truck, and I'm not in that business. I just wanted Supercross, and they didn't want to separate it. But I had the prize purse, even from the manufacturers, and the end-of-the-year title was going to be a $10 million bonus for big bikes and $5 million light bikes, and it didn't mean I was losing money. You're making an investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. losing money at the family. I'm losing my ass right now. You think I want to do this forever? No, but the plan is you see the future, and there's really EBITDA in this business. Or real in real profits. So good for Kenneth Feld and his family. Hell yeah, you bought it at a great time and you've made your money. And and so my point is, are we gonna get there? And and I wanna be totally frank too. I'm not asking the series, WSX, to come and pay my rider a flat fee just to show up. So also, if you're gonna talk shit about what he gets paid or what he's gonna get paid, ask it's none of your business, but I'll give you details. One if I am going to do this, the series has to win. So I'm going to give him name, image, likeness of Ken Roxon. I'm going to do a merch deal that's more... Pro- By the way, Feld doesn't even, isn't allowed to sell merch of Ken Roxon on site. Are you aware of that? No. Nah. You know why? Because they don't pay them. Right. in the deal. Yeah. I don't need 10%, 4%, 15%. We'll do it ourselves. And by the way, we do a half-assed job, and he makes more money on his own website selling his own merch than he did when he was at Feld. But you know what? That's their business. You don't want to pay me fairly? Call it a day. Where did I learn this? Music. Because in music, my musician gets 80% and the venue gets 20%. How am I only getting 10% you're getting 90%? It's just not okay. Someday I hope they call me and change their mind. But Adam Sansarillo and Ken Roxon, as long as I control that ship, will not have merch on site. Not because I don't want to sell to the fans. Go to their website, buy their merch. But it's not fair. It's lopsided, guys. So WSX, I want to give them the right to sell Ken, if there's a guaranteed payment to him, to one of their sponsors. So that I can elevate the... Look, (laughs) I've told this to race teams and failed forever. The best thing I learned from the NBA and everything else, you know, I got the easiest job in the world, in that world. If you're a registered agent in the NBA, you go do a deal with the team and the league and the team does everything else, including call you with all the corporate deals because they own the rights to everything. It's called consolidation makes it easier. And Supercross, if I bring a a sponsor in like I did years ago with Napster or Samsung like I brought Factory Connection, the early brands, deals, Dodge. They know what they, they like Ram Dodge used to say it to me all the time. We sponsor a team, but then can't do anything because in NASCAR, we all get a chance to be part of the series, right? It shouldn't be just monster writing the check. There should be the Red Bull Cup, the Pepsi Cup, the Monster Cup. There's a way to figure it all out and everybody wins. 
So I've told teams forever, why don't you sign my athletes soup to nuts and go sell Ken Roxon instead of me selling Red Bull and everything else? That's the best gig ever. NASCAR. When I got into NASCAR and sold Travis Pastrana, it's like take off and licensing and everything. I make more money. He makes more money. We're all happy. But right now, there's nobody there that I trust to go sell my athlete. But WSX, they got a couple of good guys that are motivated to sell the athlete. So I said, all you're really doing is advancing me money. Because mm. if I was sitting over there, you're going to go recoup it. Go sell my athlete. Go into Germany and go to three big brands in Germany. Yeah, and say, go to I got Deutsche Ken Bank. And I can put yeah. you a logo on his jersey. Go to Deutsche Bank. I'm going to give you an appearance, name, image, likeness. Yeah. Go to Boost Mobile. Go to Peter and say, Peter, you're the title sponsor. You want the big, you want the big hitter? What's another million bucks, Peter? You're already spending five. What's 500 grand? 400 grand? I don't care what the number is. But right now it's fragmented. Peter's got to go to me to do a boost deal. He's got to go to the series to do a boost deal. And he's got to go to a team to do a boost deal. Just give him one number in a package. I would have liked to seen the guys come over to the teams a little bit more. I don't want to pick on them. But what I heard from, raw, like from the industry was they came and did it more as a threat. You cannot threaten people. Yeah. You want to grow the sport? Explain that. And be yeah. humble, right? First time our business ever went to China, what I listened from the Chinese was like, here comes big agency wanting to open because the Olympics are coming to China. So what I said, we should open the office after China, after the Olympics because we want to be in the business of in Asia. Yeah, yeah. Listen, be humble. That's the street smarts that matter. Listen to people. Be a people person. So don't come over to the U.S. and be like, Supercross sucks, Feld sucks, this person sucks, and try to grow your sport. Come over and say, we're not there yet, but we'd like to globally help build this sport mm. to the teams. I mean, Feld's never going to like you. And I'm not trying to put Feld up. They, they've done a great job. But, like, competition breeds success. A hundred percent, Right? And there's no – and the riders have tried forever. But, again, you can't threaten. But they're not unionized. So they don't have a players association, a rider association. The teams don't have anything. And it's just – it's old school mentality. And and again, maybe if I saved all those nightclubs and all the gambling, I would have actually, you know, I'd be able to go be live right now. And but you know what, I didn't. So and I'm not Casey Wasserman or Bill Gates. So, but like, I do happen to know that they have a really good private equity a fund involved, and the gentleman that is in that is a very good person. I'm not going to disclose any of that. I actually I know him personally. Um, I've actually <laughs> his son was one of those informationals. Um, and they have, you know a little bit about, they have real backing. And yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. Is, Supercross is not just the only thing they're in. They're in big, big, big hundreds of millions of stuff. I told him when I saw him there, and I was introduced that he was doing it, and I said, like, this could work, and it could really work. I've been in this space, but you're going to have to invest. Yeah. And you're going to have to put big stuff behind it. And if they do that, so again, I understand the position, Adam, my hat's off to him and his partners for trying, but now they're coming to me and they're saying, hey, we burnt some bridges. Set we need the teams, this to be on the teams. Well, then, buddy, I, I can't help you. I can't help you because Ken Roxon's going to tell you he's not going to risk his sponsors and the money that that kid makes racing what everybody says right now is Supercross and outdoors. Dustin Johnson is not leaving the PGA Tour if he doesn't get that money. Yeah. Oh, no, Period. No. He didn't yeah. go over there because it was cool. But now they're stoked. Guess what? It's a better experience. And here's what I'm going to say. Ken Roxon got treated better, got respected better, did better press, better media, better interviews, better content, better broadcast, better everything than Feld or Supercross has ever had. That all back. They did an incredible job. 
Incredible job, especially for their first time. Incredible job. But there's just this just you can't do it right now. He's controlled by Feld and by the outdoors. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's the way the manufacturers want it right now. It's the way the sport is. Yeah. So either the manufacturers or the riders have to go. So if you can't and and I'm unfortunately it's like any business, you got to invest. And I, my hat's off. I love them to death. They're like, we're investing in the sport, we're investing in the sport. Yeah, great. But that's not gonna do it. If yeah. Liv had started without this. If I want to go take out Formula One in the U.S. now that they built it here, I better have you need maybe a billion dollars. You need Ricardo. Otherwise, I'm not going to build them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's. I that's mean, facts. there you go. Yeah. So everybody's like, "Well, why didn't the XFL work or arena football?" Because you don't have Dan Marino. <laughs> you don't have Patrick Mahomes. It's like that simple. You don't have LeBron James. Yeah, you know, yeah. everybody's like, "Well, it wouldn't work if LeBron." Oh, yes, it would. If you took LeBron James, James Harden, Jay Marin, you know, the top top NBA, and said, "We're all starting another league," all oh, everybody else would pay. I'm not saying you pay every rider. And now these lower riders that bust their ass, you're going to make more money if the sport grows because you're showing up for nothing anyway now. So don't hate that Ken Rocks and Eli Tomac and all those guys got to get paid because there is no gate without you. Yeah. And that was my point years ago to Kevin Windham and Ricky when they called me for advice on a union. Don't threaten to pull out of Anaheim a week before. That's a threat. You want to do this right? At the end of the year in May, you say you formed a union and you have the top 10 guys in the world that are exclusive to this Players Association. And then you go negotiate fair licensing, ticket percentage, uh, team deal, whatever you want to do as a union or as an association. But don't you dare... They've, they've put the sport on the map and they sold tickets to fans. You don't strike. Now you strike if in June they ignore you. Yeah, yeah. And in July, if they definitely ignore you, that's what happens in the NHL and the NBA. Anytime you see these strikes, just so we're all aware, that means shit went really bad because they're negotiating constantly. And I think if the if the athletes, the ones that, that are at the ties, the others would follow – but if right now you saw the race this weekend, if Chase Sexton, Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Jet Lawrence, um, uh, Cam, you know, the top in the lights in the top in the in the Supercross, Ken Roxon, Chase Sexton said, we formed a union. You still go show up at the next race, but the sport would have to grow. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to grow because Feld would then go, hey, what's fair? Well, guys, what we think is fair is the price purse needs to move up a little bit. Can you show us your book? You know, you're making money. We all want to make money. By the way, everybody deserves to make money. That's why when someone says, well, I don't want to pay an agent. Well, then I'm not your right agent because I need to make, I, I work for a living for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you got you to gotta organize. You can't be fragmented. There's a difference between being diversified and fragmented. We are a fragmented sport right now. I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, I was open to this, and I think James Stewart's got a great, no, no, sorry if I'm talking about the podcast communication, but I think he's doing a brilliant job, and he's not he afraid is, to say man. it, but I will say it. what I said to him is, is he's doing a great job. But what I would say is right now is it's like you can't, Feld has got everybody, and, and again, utmost respect to the Feld family. I, they paid me to run commercials for them, and I, I'm not, but I'm, I, I got no problem saying it to their face. No one is challenging them to make a change big enough. You, throwing a few new fireworks in and a DJ does not do anything. The prize purse has not changed enough. The licensing splits and shares, they would still make money and there's room to elevate. Right? I mean, I'm just telling you right now that people that were represented by me when they did have Feld deals and ones that I inherited, 
they do get, let's just say some of my guys have gotten double the royalty than the guy that won the championship all year, mm. years ago. Because I asked, and I said, I'm either pulling out, and they said, okay, well, we have some wiggle room. You got wiggle room for everybody. It's just fair. Yeah. Back to the NCAA. It's going to take that. Like now, all the NIL, now college players, if you had just given college players, especially in the sport like a football, basketball, football especially, the largest sport in America, like there's not a bigger audience than college football, give them a 10% of jersey sales, Give them five percent of ticket sales. You would have had enough money. You would have never had this. Now that you're dealing with these collectives and these under, yeah, these, yeah. all these crazy deals, players entering the transfer pool just to see how much money they can get and all that stuff instead of worrying about winning. Yeah, instead of worrying about just right? like doing but that job. It, yeah. so, so, so that's what it's going to take. So WSX, I'm hoping they're listening and the private equity guys missing it and the fund go dump more money in and you can win because they will come. And if they don't, then that the riders are foolish, right? I mean, at some point. And are they all going to come? No, but the, I'm willing to bet the right ones that can move the radar right now. Something I said to Kenny the other day is I said, unfortunate thing is if you decide to do this next year or like what you did last year, you're actually not going to see the ultimate result of this. It's the kid that's seven years old right now. Yeah. That'll benefit from the change you made, yeah. right? When Michael Jordan said, I wanted ownership or I wanted... The, all these things happen when someone finally makes a statement or says no in life, yeah. right? Ken Roxon gave me that power when I was negotiating this deal when I felt like, why does a baseball player get a guaranteed $300 million contract, gets hit in the face with a fastball? Giancarlo Stanton was our client at Wasserman. And he's still guaranteed his money even though he can't play. But a guy that's risking his life every day racing, Literally. training 365 days a year. By, by the way, does he have the time off of any other player in any other sport? I mean, these guys go year-round. They get a couple weeks off a year. Couple weeks off a year, but doesn't get paid if he gets a knee blown. If it's more than a month or thirty day clause. Now, what I will say, because this industry is loyal, is it's rare that that's activated. Right, guys yeah. have gotten paid when they got the blown knees, but it's not in writing. And I, I had a client that let me do it. Now, since then, it's a little tough, right? Because guys don't have the balls to do it, maybe, or maybe mm. the agent doesn't, or whatever else. You know, Jet Lawrence can change the sport. I hope him and Lucas do. Yeah, yeah. grow a set, Lawrence, Lucas. Yeah. You can change the sport with certain guys. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. Um, and and it was funny to go back to that press conference, like I said what, what I said, and then instantly Joey Savacci's like, oh, well, if he's getting that, and it's just like, I fucking love you, Joey. You're a really good guy. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you just don't have... I... I you, you can't like you're not in this conversation right now like you won tonight you're an amazing rider shut the fuck up because if you get him here and then you get someone else here and they're getting paid and you're just like you're not worrying about like your money you're not penny pinching right now to get your deal done if this works and you're the guy that wins here you win too and there, there has to be like brayton brayton and i were having a uh, a, a chat and we're, it was on the finish line, actually, like after the races. And we were talking about, you know, how this thing can work and like what would it take. And I that I basically said to him what I said in the press conference. And then he's like, dude, you're so right. And like, I shouldn't get paid that money. He's like, no one gives a fuck about me. Like, I'm an old dude. Like, they people need to accept that they're going to have to pay to play. They're going to have to pay these guys to come over here. And for Kenny... He needs to realize that, like, he might get a couple good years out of it, but you're, you're right. Like, he's laying the foundation for the kids that are coming up, and he's creating, like, the, the thing that I loved about World Supercross was that was 40 guys that had a job. 
through the last three, four months of the year. And that was guys like Phil Nicoletti that they're not, they're not making the crazy cash out of the sport that they should be. And they're taking the same risk. Like not everybody should be on the same. They would make same. So that was, and not to interrupt you, that's a Joey example. If they will make more money though, if this happens, a hundred percent, right? It's like, everybody's asking me why, well, why aren't all the players going to PGA? Actually, this is, and this is factual. Ken Roxon's like a Dustin Johnson. These other guys, they've already made great money in the sport. Kenny has, Eli has. Now they can make a difference. They see that and they're getting a shitload of money. But they also know that they're not going to win on the tour anymore that long and that sort of stuff. Roxon's very realistic to realize he's he's near the latter part of his career. He sees these kids coming up or he sees Chase and he sees he he sees all this. Right. So he's looking at it like Dustin Johnson, excuse me, and all those players. We have a young golfer on the PGA Tour. The number he's not worth what Dustin is, but the number would have to be close. Why? Because actually, and this is what I would say why Feld can benefit from this, is he's so young because the PGA Tour pays you well, he live is still a risk. Kenny can take the risk at WSX. A guy like Jet Lawrence probably can't right now because Jet no Lawrence chance. can play in this game for 20 more years, yep. right? Kenny could take the risk. So the big guys are the ones that have to go to WSX right now or Feld steps up and then there's a bidding, whatever, whatever. But like if you look at it, I look at it very different. We would have some players in the PGA Tour right now that if they came to me, I say, heck yeah, go for even less. Because they're at the latter part of their career and they're not winning, but they're big enough and Liv needs them, right? Just like WSX needs them. But like, if you're 25 years old on the tour and you can win, you got 30 years you can make money on PGA and it's not going anywhere. Liv might, remember the billionaires might get sick of wasting money. I don't know. So they might, or they might change it and just like, we're not paying anymore. So there is a bigger risk. There's no risk for Dustin. He was on yeah, the, no, no, yeah. the swan. He can win, but he's he's on the swan song, right? I'm just using him as done I don't it all. Mean to he's done it all. No. Like, but yeah, no, he's done it all. Right, he's, he's got done the it money, all. Right, he's won the he's won right. majors. He's like yeah. he's ticked the boxes in that. Right. And I think right. that Kenny, right. Eli, Ando, Basha, like there's a generation of guys. Cooper Webb, yeah, Ryan Dungey, yeah, all of them could make a huge difference. Get paid what they do deserve because they will lose money by doing this, but they can afford it. And then you know high tides raise all ships. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Joey Savacci will get, and, and, and by him saying that comment, I agree with you. You're not insulting him. It's no, just, no. you know, uh, yeah, there's a just... combination that looks into this. There's analytics. Sean O'Malley said it on his thing. He wasn't even the main card, but the UFC does a good job. They could tell that he helped that pay-per-view, not the main card. That's popularity. Yeah. Okay. Ken Roxon. So it, it, we're not going to go into numbers, but we all know he didn't commit to Paris to last minute. Right. Let's just say they had a lot of tickets to sell. And he got paid a number that was really good number. But guess what? He sold tickets. Yeah. And no offense, Joey, you're not going to sell 4,000 tickets in 24 hours or 2,000 tickets or 500 tickets. Or and I shouldn't be picking on. These are all unbelievable humans, by the way. The fact that Joey can do agree. what he's doing yeah. is incredible athlete. So, But you're not Tiger Woods. Right. It's just like there's only select few. And that's why when everybody gives me shit, when like I back in the day, I used to vent about, well, what about LeBron James and Kobe Bryant? He, they didn't go to college and they played in the why do you think these kids should finish high school before they can turn pro and supercross and motocross? I said, well, I could list a million things because when I signed Josh Lichtel and Josh Hill, when they were coming out, they didn't even know what a checking account was. So let's forget about it. But let's just say in general, I can give you a lot of reasons. More importantly, it's called maturity, mm. strength, maturity and ability. OK. There's very far and few between, and I'll allow that, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, yeah. The majority of the NBA 
is full of four-year college students or one year and done. At least they matured above 18. You know, your body changes. The NFL, you got to go three years of college before you can go in. Part of that is injury. It's size. You mature a lot. I tell my son as a freshman in high school, don't get worried about size. Your arm, your brain, and everything else. He's a quarterback because you are going to be a different human. You're When you're a junior, 14 to 18, your body changes tremendously. 16 to 22. And so what I say, why I'm saying this, Travis Pastrana, Chad Reed, James Stewart, Ricky Carmichael, they're LeBron. That's a free, yeah, go and turn pro when you're outliers. 15 for all I care. Yeah. You're going to smoke everybody. They're outliers. But I think there would be a Brock Purdy or a Steph Curry or whatever if, if I, I think a lot of those guys were not the same. Josh Allen wasn't the same football player when he was in high school. I mean, J.J. Watt will tell you, he didn't start in high school. Arguably yeah, one of yeah, the best players yeah. of all time. Yeah. It's maturity in size. By the way, not only how to handle money and pressure and everything else, but like you're different than when you are 16, like when Davey Millsaps turned pro and Josh Lichtel and Josh Hill and all that. You're a different human when you're yeah. 20. So all my only point was high school diploma or 18 years old or something because, and it's more so to protect like even the amateurs. I think that's a summer. Like if you're a best basketball player, 10 years ago or whatever, even LeBron, you went to high school still. You did all your training in the off-season or after school, whatever. These amateur kids at nine years old quitting everything and going to travel the world in an RV? Man, I, I again, I'm not your parent, but that's a, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. But you know who puts the pressure on them? The manufacturers in the sport. Because if the manufacturers said... Hey, no, go to AAU. You know, you're in a special circumstance. Just like high school basketball player, they get if you're a freak or a football player, you get a few privileges, but you still go to school. Yeah. The best five star or the best AAU player, uh, they still go to high school. You gotta maintain, yeah. 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 But we don't. And I I just don't understand that. You know? I know Davy Coombs believes in that. I mean, talk about an educated guy and some others, but again, not my I'm I'm venting. I'll stop. No, 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 no. It's it's a it's a super cool it's a super cool conversation. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I'm 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 super excited for for WSX and what what they're bringing to the table. I know that for them to succeed, they they need the the bigger guys, and to get the bigger guys, they're gonna have to pay the cash. The the model that they've chosen to go with maybe isn't the right model either now like just thinking about it like after some time i think maybe the teams just because the teams is going to stop getting the riders and i think that they need the riders but then i also it was such a bummer to watch how fragmented i mean you can go back to i'm pretty sure it's one meeting that you're talking about where like shit really went fucking south between like WSX and, and the rest of, of the industry. And it's like, I wish that didn't happen. I I do too. I think it was a few meetings with the teams Yeah, yeah. from what Yamaha told me and KTM KTM. and Honda. I won't say who or whatever, but the, the way they told me the meeting went and there's two sides to every story, but even Adam has said like, yeah, I just think we all wish those didn't happen the way they did. And yep. maybe it was a different presentation or maybe it was, we're not trying to take people out. This is where we'd like to grow or take the sport and elevate the sport. Because again, I wouldn't have gone to Feld. That is your competitor, but I would have gone to the riders and the teams together. Mm-hmm. I would have taken Roger DeCosta, Cooper Webb, 
Brandon Wilson, Honda, and Ken Roxon and Chase Sexton. I would have taken them and, and presented to them that way. And I would have said it humbly like, we're trying to grow the sport. We're trying to challenge the sport. Here's what we see. Because it is, it could be a global sport, right? I'm not old schooler, so I still can't figure out outdoors. But God bless Wardy, all those people that are diehard, everybody. I got to respect them. They're fucking incredible Ironman athletes. But it's not as big as Supercross has, potentially globally. You control the environment, the stadiums, suites. You can hospitality right. You can see um, the whole track. Outdoors is incredible as a fan. But like I remember years ago, I brought a corporate company and the woman, it opened up at Hangtown in the rain and she put her $500 fucking slipper into the mud and it pulled off and lost it. That executive was never going back to the Outdoor Nationals where I brought the president <laughs> yeah. of Napster to Supercross. He's in the Knothole Club. His wife is getting drinks, getting schmoozed. Or, you know, back in the day, T-Mobile, Slim Jim. But, like, I stopped bringing certain executives unless it was, like, you know, Craftsman Tools or or Yeti. you got to go see outdoors. This is a cult. And, by the way, I don't want it to go away. I just don't think it has to be. I always dreamed that the outdoors would be that amateur series I told you about. And, like, outdoors becomes the summer supercross because you're in high school all winter. Yeah. Just like travel football. My son's travel football starts when school's out. You know, they have a few tournaments. So that was my dream is give Davy Coombs and the family that's invested their whole life in this. Give them the, the lights class or amateurs and call it summer supercross or whatever. Then you'd still get 25,000 people and still make a great living, whatever else. But again, diehard outdoors. I can't. I think it always should be something. I just don't know that Eli Tomac should be racing it and Chase Sexton and the manufacturers. It's very expensive. And I don't ever see American Express. I truly believe American Express, Delta, everybody that funds football, NFL, would actually come to Supercross eventually as the, as the sport grows. The, the thing that I'm most disappointed in, the last thing I'll say on that side is, you know, the reason I wish Napster lasted, the president fell in love with the sport, and it's a passion. we got to remember, in the beginning, in the heyday, a lot of these CEOs, the reason they're in golf, <laughs> they, play they golf. love golf. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They played golf. They want to go to the Masters. They want to go. So that's why golf has always got a lot of money. Not because they have a great fan or all this like experiential and content. The reality is every CEO and CMO wants to go play golf. Yeah, um, yeah. NASCAR was funded by Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Remember back in the day it was like full military? Yeah, because every general wanted to go to NASCAR. He grew yeah. up in that. The issue I have is there's been some really interesting executives that I've known that um, grew up racing or loving the sport and went on to be successful CMOs. And I go to them and I go, come on, man, you gotta get back to the sport. And the answer is, Steve, I don't know how to get the KPIO. It's too fragmented. It's too fragmented and it's not changing. And there's not, you know, my business doesn't, but if we had the right TV, the right audience, the right this and this, they would look at it the same way they're gonna look at pickleball or they're gonna look at tennis or golf or whatever else. It's a niche white space that has a strong, we have a very powerful consumer. Oh man, a very powerful audience. It's unreal, but someone's got to take a chance on us in a big global pace. I mean, look what Monster's done. Thank God, and Red Bull and everybody like that. But there's just no reason that, like, until I learned with Dodge, Kerry learned it. He used to hear it every day. They're just like Kerry. We can't. This is not how it's supposed to be. That we can't activate because Toyota's a sponsor of the series. And what's yeah, our value? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to work together to grow the sport. You know. Yeah. 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 I think that it was it was super apparent, like to speak on that. I mean, when when Peter Adderton had 360 fly and GoPro was a sponsor of the series and Chad couldn't even run the the helmet 
like the the camera on his helmet and and it, it, yeah you're right like there there is a kind of a lot of of those of those deals i wonder i wonder if they if they do open up to that going forward because it just seems like it, it just seems like biting your nose to spite your face kind of thing in, in a sense you know I think like the example I try to give my athletes too is they're like, well, if we do that, then like we don't get to do those deals. And I said, well, go to NASCAR because they're consolidated. Go to Jimmy Johnson and see if he cares about what his salary was from the team because he couldn't do a one-off deal. Yeah. And the answer is he doesn't give two shits. Joey Savacci, if the team in Feld own you like the NFL player, except for fringe things, like you could still do name, image, likeness. I'm talking exposure. Yeah. You're going to make more money, all of you, because then the teams are funded more. Yeah, and these teams spend tons of money. I'm still trying to figure out why is the team paying the hundred thousand dollar race win or hundred fifty thousand for a top guy race. That's win? what I think. I, I wonder I, why. I just that don't happens. understand that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just old school mentality. That's what it was. But to me, that should be either the series gives the team a bonus, like NASCAR, and then you give it to the rider and the team. Like if Travis goes to race NASCAR this year, he gets the NASCAR the team that gets the bonuses. They share them with the driver, but they're big. You know what I mean? So it's like. That's to me the model. But that comes from the series. I'm not saying that's the answer, but that's what I would look at. It comes from the series. So if Travis was to win a NASCAR race this year, it's actually really just to show up. If he makes it through qualifying, there's money. The team gets paid for that car to being in the main event. And then there's bonuses for placement and all that sort of stuff. And then they share it with the rider or the race car driver else. And so, like, to me, when you go to see Jimmy Johnson at the race and you realize that every logo on his suit is owned by the team, is the team getting that revenue? Do you think Jimmy feels like he's not fa- paid well? Yeah, Because yeah. he's compensated well. But instead of paying Jimmy a dollar and paying the team a dollar, they're paying the team $4, so Jimmy's getting more and so isn't the team, yeah. right? There's just more value in it. I, I got to think Monster, I, God bless Monster, Red Bull, Rockstar, but like, think about, it. it's like they got to do a deal with Adam, then a deal with Kawasaki, then a deal with the series. Let's say that total in is $6. If it was turnkey and really good execution and everybody works together to promote each other or whatever, maybe they would pay $9. But not if they got to, because they got to activate it all and it's fragmented and it's all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, look, I'll end on, you know, another, unless you have, I mean, again, ask more questions, but just send in this T-Mobile years ago, years ago, 2002, I brought them in and they spent a lot of money in the sport. They spent, they had Dave Mira, Sean White, Gretchen uh, Blyler, uh, Bucky Lassick, Bob Burnquist, Ryan Nyquist. I mean, Damn. it was one of the most dominating action sports teams ever, all T-Mobile. And then they also sponsored the X Games that year. And then they also spent money with me to activate and did all this sort of stuff. Mike Belcher is still my friend today, and he's still there. I play in a golf tournament with him and his family every year, foundation event. This was in 2000. That's how long I've kept him around. Um, he was lower then. He's now like a big, big boss at T-Mobile, you can imagine, 20-something years later. So this is in 2003, I want to say, or 2004. 2003, the super T-Mobile team. I'm talking they dominated summer and winter, right? You had Dave Mira, Ryan Nyquist, Bucky, Bob, Sean White, Gretchen Byler. It just was dominating. And lasted a year or two. Then they came back, and they were a big sponsor. They activated at X Games. They did TV commercials with the guys, everything huge. And they left and they, I came to them and I said, and we were still their consulting agency also at Wasserman and they ended up spending a shit ton of money the following year in the NBA. And Mike said to me, I said, why, what did I do wrong? I thought we did something great. He goes, Steve, I, it was so fragmented. 
I couldn't tell which way. It's like we had to pay more money to X Games in order to show the logo and this and that. And then this thing over here. And then we had to do this to activate. I read a check to the NBA and it's just done. Mm. You know, I, I they even tell me what player to pay half the time. It's like I don't have all this fragmentation. And and again, it's not always perfect. Sure, they have to go get the athlete to T-Mobile, but it's just easier. They know the rights, let's just yeah, say, yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, I just think that WSX, they are on the right track, is that if they could get this going right because they want to take care of the teams and the you know and share everything, but in order to get there, we got to get some kings over there. Yeah. We just have to. Yeah. You know, you got to get, or or if not, then it's just going to take longer. They'll have to build the series and, and you know, find the next Jet Lawrence and don't let him leave Australia, find the next Chad Reed, find the next Ken Roxon. So that's another approach, but you might spend, what is Supercross on 50 years? Yeah, <laughs> So yeah, yeah. you might spend some time it's and not, more money. I just think you spend more money, more time. Yeah, it's not the move. But but again, it's not my business and I'm not writing the check. So here I am, you and I both, we're talking without our wallet, right? Yeah. So, but what I did, I, I just to be transparent, I want all the agents to know this and all the other people in the industry is that, if Ken was to do it, it's not just pay to play. I want to be fair, just like live. It's a team. You have equity. I want, I want the right to, for them to recoup it. Because guess what? They would have merch on site. Feld don't have that, so I'll give him. I'll give him that. I'll give him the rights to go do a video game and all that. If he's paid right, I don't care. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Because it's Honda better for everybody. To, if Honda came to me, if Honda came to me when Kenny first signed the contract and said, "You're not going to do Red Bull." And you're not going to do this. We'll just pay you dollar for dollar. Now we own them to go sell it. My life's easier. I got to do one deal. <laughs> yeah. Instead of doing a Breitling deal, a Red Bull deal, a Fox deal, go ahead and own them. Now, again, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be worth it. I think they'd get more. There's yeah. more value in just the right, if you had the whole package. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. So, and, and then and you I can pay to, Kenny more. Yeah. And, and I guess to, to bookend it too, like I want there was a I think there was a bit of a narrative like I was definitely excited about WSX and I was excited about more Supercross and like what I, what I was excited about yeah. was to have to have 40 dudes with jobs that are riders that don't you know that that they just don't mm-hmm. make that much money and to go to these new places and to see these new fans and for a chance for for like dude craziest off season ever you know like Kenny's Kenny's free agency I mean you know we, we don't even have time to talk about it now but Kenny's free agency was just one of the most like brilliant things that I think has happened in the sport in fucking 15 years. We owned years. the internet. Bro, for <laughs> real. And Kenny wasn't we even owned. trying. Nobody talked about Eli. Poor Eli. The guy whooped everybody's ass and nobody talked about him. Yeah. Dude, and and Kenny, like yeah. for uh, talking to Kenny a bunch after it, you know, he was like, dude, I just was being myself. Like I actually, this, none of this was a plan. I didn't think the whole free agency thing would be like a storyline. Now, I mean... Dude, talk about a guy like for me. Well, I'm in the business. I'm in the business of telling stories. That's my job. I got to look for stories that are out there. And then I got to get the people on, and then I have to yep. explore the stories that I think are worth telling that can like elevate the sport. Right? Fucking Ken Rocks and this there just give us everything. Like the free agency, he dumped HRC. I actually initially thought, okay, they've probably motocross is off the table they're probably just halving his deal he probably gets like 500 grand and he's going to wsx because they're paying him four you know 350 and then the sponsor he's he's coming out on top i didn't know that he walked away from a, a million dollar plus deal like that's fucking crazy that's million like a, dollar no 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 no, no, no. multi-million dollar per year it's insane but but multi-million dollar but yeah. look what came out of that he went he won the world title arguably yeah. 
Well, I mean, I don't. And by agree. the way, look at Honda; they're fine too. They got Chase Sexton and and Jet Lawrence. I'm not mad at them. They made a business decision. Yeah, and but I think Kenny's happier. Yeah, and and I mean, we we won in the sense that we got to watch this like crazy uh, off season with this guy that you know f- years gone past. Like people have just made. People have made so... There's been so many views collected. There's been so many reels watch of people just shitting on Ken Roxon. And it's like, a couple of years ago, you'd go back and you'd think, like, his career is done. And he had maybe one of the gnarliest years of his life last year in terms of, like, publicity, growing a fan base, his impact on the sport. I mean, he goes and wins the WSX, which, by the way, I think you have to call a world championship is racing multiple continents. Didn't have the races that you would expect but it's like you know what else do you call it in the, is it the interim world championship i just i think we all just have to be like right it's the world championship but anyway it's like he does that he beats eli at, at paris and then he goes and he rides every single brand of motorcycle lights up the internet gets people so excited for supercross in 2023 gives a complete new life to a manufacturer that was dead in the water i mean He's, he sold a lot of Suzuki's already before he even got to A1. 23 Suzuki sales, there's a there's a spike on that graph, you know? So it's like, I, I just think that everyone wins out of, of this deal. More guys have jobs, more guys have rides, places that, you know, like think about the people that are going to go to the German Supercross that don't regularly watch the AMA. And you're, tell, you're telling me you're not going to get? How about this? Cause I, and, and I... To give Kenny credit, Courtney credit, you credit for saying it. it. It all happens for a reason. But let's just think about what we said. By the way, it wasn't long ago that I told Courtney and Ken, and Courtney then brought it back to me later, is that I've envisioned, again, this is being in other worlds now too, but you just use the word very key, free agency, right? A lot of people right now are questioning where's James Harden going? He's playing for a team, and they're saying that because it's called a get. There's a, a time, just like football, it's free agency. We created the first time ever free agency by default. Like it wasn't perfectly ran, but you want to grow this sport. But the problem is, there's no time off. But this is what I'm getting to: is that if you had a little bit of a gap in the off season, can you imagine if Yamaha can call, uh, if Cowie can call Yamaha and say we want to, or call Eli and we call your agent and you're in free agency, we want to buy back your contract. Yeah. Be pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't have that control, but like, we kind of did. Kenny, we could have signed something quicker. We could have gone this. And it's like, by purpose, like, be show what the industry could be like. If there was an off season and enough of an off season, you had to, even if it was only a month, that you could still train and everything. You had a free agency to go ride everything, meet with other teams. I'm wondering, and I'll just say, maybe I did mention this to an orange bike team, is would you ever trade Cooper Webb for Ken Roxon put Cooper on Honda head. Why not? Mm. Maybe that's again, another idea that the industry can start to change because when you sign a three or four year deal, people change. So like you sign a contract to me, like NBA, you have no second contract. Your first contract is three years in the NBA, right? You gotta, yeah. you gotta play or NFL, your rookie contract is slotted. It stays there, whatever. Then you're then you enter what is like football to a free agency and the, that same team can pick up the deal. If they don't pick up the deal, like I'd argue, let me just feel me out here. Two years ago, I'd argue that Honda would have said, you know what, Kenny, you think you could do better elsewhere? We'll let you enter the free agency pool. Based on knowing Pitt and Roger, they would have picked them up. 
yeah, out of free yeah, agency. Yeah. They would have inherited the contract and picked them, picked them up. But we don't have that. So maybe that's another change that we should be talking about, right? Instead of Chase Sexton already knowing where he's going next year, maybe that should have been put into a maybe – maybe it should have been during the free agency, that that's when you open up your negotiation. Worst case, you have a guaranteed contract at Honda. But during the free agency, even Honda could put you up and say, hey, you should look for stuff. If you're not happy here, go look for stuff. And then Honda gets Eli Tomac in exchange for Chase Sexton. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, like, again, I haven't thought of this until you said it. But, like, and, and definitely Kenny and Courtney and I thought about it because that's kind of what we did. Yeah, yeah. No, I can tell no. you there's a few colors we were never going to sign with, but we wanted everybody to think we're signing with them. Oh, you know, and, or riding and, and, the bike for fun. And yeah, and, and the and the sport, it's narrative. Like, narrative is the thing that pushes, you know, everything that when it comes to like that, that sporting kind of lane. And, and I think, you know, like I've actually, it's been cool. Like, last year I had absolutely zero contact with Feld at all. Uh, and I've known Adam and the, the crew at WSX for like, 15 years so to me it's very it was very easy to like have those conversations but since i've like opened up conversations with the fell guys and i mean it really seems to me that there's like people there that they really love supercross they really care they really do want to see it get better and, and like you said feld's a billion dollar company it's a billion dollar family like i'm sure there's a lot of hoops to jump through to get new things across the line i'm sure that there's like old habits die hard you know uh so I, i'm sure that we have people in the sport that care enough to like want to watch it grow i think that one of the things oh maybe, my god you can't you cannot work in this sport and travel yeah as much as roger DeCosta and keith and todd gendro and dave prater, oh, prater and mike yeah, yeah and all the way down you prater i mean you cannot do this job unless you love this sport yeah davy coombs yeah. My God, that guy's been grinding. He loves, he don't need the money. Yeah. Gabrielle, Alpine star. Oh, bro. I mean, you got to love, yeah. love what you do. <laughs> he went, I mean, Gabrielle went, Dave bro. Prater. So I want to make sure clear. I love those guys. I think yeah. they all bust their, they are so loyal and passion. Yeah. Roger DeCosta, can you imagine how much, how many weekends he's been away from his family? Yeah. Hats Not off. Thousand. And he still raised a great, Kit. By the way, I don't know how he did it, but hats off because I couldn't do a good job like that. Roger DeCosta is someone I look up to for that reason also. Is that guy never missed? I don't know that he's missed races and has raised an unbelievable family and had a great relationship. You know, again, I just watched it at least. And again, I don't know all, everybody's got dark stories, whatever else. But I'm just saying the majority of these team managers also, hats off mm. to all of you, bus drivers, semi drivers, like, I don't know how you do it. I know people say that to me because they see my Instagram where I'm on a plane all the time. Yeah, I love it. That's why. Yeah. Like, I literally almost just flew a red eye to Italy for, I would have been on the ground for 18 hours. Yeah. Thank God that got canceled. I love what I do. And there's sacrifices. But that, so I do want to be clear that I'm not trying to take away that these people don't want to see yeah, the sport yeah, grow, yeah, yeah. the sport to do more. You know, and even the agents that go to every, like Lucas, that's his thing. To me, I can't be the best. I've always even preached this when he was there. I'm not so sure. Chad Reed was good at this and Dave Mira. Dave Mira used to, whenever I would comment, he'd say, look, dude, I pedal the bike. You do the deals. Stop telling yeah. me how to win this contest. Yeah. Or Chad Reed was great. He used to be like, Steve, 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 Steve. Bob Moore and you still work together, but Bob was my agent and I asked for you for a reason. And Bob Moore is a world champion, but like, I'm good here. Like, I'll twist the throttle. You do my deals. Well, that's the thing is I don't know what an agent in motocross and supercross does. This is no, look, Lucas busts his ass, Beeks busts his ass, Hollywood, all these other agents. 
I just, for years after doing it with Travis, realized that like I'm not as I don't know why I have to go to every race. I'm yeah, not doing yeah. the deals there. I'm not as good Monday through Friday if I'm traveling Thursday to Sunday for Supercross. I used to go to probably 14, 15 rounds with Reed and Travis. I just, Ken Roxon and Adam Sansarillo are very clear that yeah. I work hard for them. And yeah. I think they'd rather me be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It, it just, look, that's my deal. I don't go to a test track. I don't know the last time I've been to a test track. I see a lot of agents at test tracks. What the fuck did we do there? Yeah, yeah, like, I'm yeah. still trying to figure out what an agent does at a test track. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of making fun of my own guy, Beeks. And, and, and Lucas, I love you, bro. Hey, they what do you do it. there? They love it. That's the, that's the, they love it. So yeah, that they, yeah, you just did it yeah, for me. That's gender. Yeah, Prater. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. They love it. I just hope they balance. And it's back to the one thing is this like, it's where I didn't balance in life. I will watch peaks and I will not allow him to do that because yeah. he's got a wife and he's got children. You need to find balance in life and hats off that Roger DaCosta, all these guys, Gendro, Man, in the offseason, I hope they take a. I hope they really shut down. But you know what? It's because what you said. They love it. So I shouldn't yeah. be even talking shit right now. But they love it. Yeah, and, and I think that's it's that's hard. sort of the point. I guess I was trying to make, and may, maybe I didn't do a good enough job of that last year. Like I was kind of just get on my shit and get on my rants and try and get the messaging across that I like. I want it that I think like helps lift the sport. You know, but it's like yeah, we've got we've got people that really really do care. They really do love it. Um, and yeah, like I just, I want to see it grow. And I think that you, you have to have these conversations where you challenge the way that things are currently done and you cha challenge the old ideas and you challenge the old people that are uh, able to pull certain strings in the sport because without those kind of conversations and without poking the bear in a sense, it's like, you know, you, you're really not going to be able to wake it up. Uh, so all of this you know we've we've had a lot of conversations about the way that things could be improved the way that things aren't you know kind of done right now or, or whatever but all of that is for like this kind of global good and it's coming from a place in both of us where it's like it's all love it's all passion and i mean i've spent thousands and thousands of hours in this fucking studio grinding when i wasn't making any money but same reason that that you get fucking beaks going to the test track i love this shit Bro, I haven't been to America in five years. I haven't been to a Supercross race. I haven't been able to go there and be amongst my friends and be around the sport that I love in five years. And guess what? I just been fucking grinding in the background, you know, still trying to do what I can do because I fucking love this shit. So all of the things that we've said, all of the ways that we've said that things can improve, it's coming from a place of, of love and like wanting this to be better and that's, knowing that's that it can. You as a great podcaster just did way better than I ever would do. And that was all the point I was even getting with process with Blada and all the shit that all the fans are going nuts. They don't know the whole story. I was trying to prove a point. It's called process and protocol. That's all. Like every other sport. Just do it right. I'm just trying to elevate. So if I got to poke the bear to elevate it, mm. it's not because I think someone was doing something wrong or not doing wrong or doing this or whatever else. I'm just confused. And WADA is very different than USADA. And I'll tell you a funny story is that when this all this shit was going down, a certain journalist called me and another one called me and they still thought it was USADA and outdoors. Hasn't been out. It hasn't been. It's another group. Mm. It's not even WADA or USADA. Yeah. If my point was when I said all other sports and sorry, or all other athletes, I shouldn't say that. It's just I'm saying the majority, like, you know, very clearly from the NBA 
because God yeah, darn it, you're yeah. an idiot if not, because you take these tests and there's NFL PA, there's NBA PA. There, there, there's just more information than you need. Or Olympics, you know, they're as vocal as it gets. We need to know where you're at at all times. We could test you anytime. But like in competition, I know it's, everybody's going to be like, now you're exaggerating, but I'm not. It's in competition, according to water, you can't take aspirin. I mean, so I got to know when I'm crossing rules. Yeah, they're all yeah. different. Yeah. So it's like, unfortunately, we don't have one thing called the NFL. <laughs> so uh, it's more just I'm trying to prove a point that you can't show up in Cardiff and have one set of rules and not, you know, and everything's fine. It's exhibition or whatever else. I'm not blaming anybody. It's why I told Adam. It's like, make me the bad guy. I'm just trying to teach a lesson here and call yeah, me an asshole. Yeah, call yeah, me yeah, wrong for yeah, doing it. Yeah. I just want things to get better. And it's just you nailed it on the head. Is that like. I'm not trying to be a like I love these people in this sport and I showed up at the last outdoors this year and by the way I haven't been to an outdoor I don't know the last time <laughs> and I showed up at the last outdoors I wanted to support some people and come say hi and 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 whatever whatever else and uh, a guy I really respect at Monster and knows I work in with them in music and other stuff is like holy shit I know he's joking he's breast blessing like this guy's at an outdoor national and he's blessing our presence whatever I actually laughed with him we joked about it whatever but what he doesn't know is behind the scenes I was working harder in motocross supercross on some stuff in the off season than any other multi-million dollar music any other artist it's just I can do that work without being at the races yeah yeah but it's it's just getting to your point is perception versus reality. I didn't leave like he was being joking like, oh, the, the guy, he's now yeah, off like, yeah, oh, music yeah. and NBA and all that. No, I love I love this space. And frankly, it's what I respect Wasserman. They will always Casey remembers what built that business, which was mostly motorsports in action sports. Sorry. Like, remember, our, our highest paid client for many, many years was Ken Block, Travis Pastrana, Chad Reed, you know, because NBA and all that was new to them. Right. Yeah. We, when I came in, Casey wasn't doing mainstream. We were just he was doing consulting. He just started too. so, you know, I respect how much he still invests in that and always will and allows Lucas, Travis Clark, that whole gang. And I know I will at the family. I will always support surf, skate, snow, motocross. But if we're honest, yeah, that person at Monsters, right. You know, there's a lot of money. There's just these sports have, have grown or this music mm. industry has grown. And unfortunately, it's like Groundhog's Day in action sports right now. It's sad. Yeah. We well, all Steve, want these guys to elevate. Yeah. Well, mate, I've kept you longer than uh, than you probably thought and longer than uh, than uh, maybe I should have. But I really yeah, appreciate it. I absolutely no. This will go up in full, not one edit at all. Uh, but yeah, I um, I really appreciate it. I've, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I'd love to do it again at some point, maybe down the track. Just uh, there's so many things we could have talked about that that we didn't talk about. But um, yeah, I appreciate it, mate. Bucket list one for me, and uh, yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I really enjoyed it. Sorry that we went really long. Hopefully, uh, well, you know, we normally do out of it. Good. So we, you know, we normally do like three and a half hours, three hours every single time. And we never okay, edit. Good, good. We never edit one good, thing. So good. that's perfect. I just know that okay. you, you thought you were leaving. Well, a I watched little Dino's. Bit Dino's wasn't that long. Yeah. I, I watched Dean's. He's yeah, funny like, as shit. That wasn't three and a half hours. Yeah, it was. No, I watched it. I can't. Oh, maybe because I did it in pieces. Oh, uh, yeah. I was driving. 
Yeah, not so you're three. right. Maybe it was because I yeah. can't. I have ADHD. I can't do that. It's like the Sean O'Malley one. It's like when I see, when I see it, he'll probably be like, "Oh, you like that podcast?" It's like, no, I watch from fifteen. I watch the good parts and then watch the because I yeah. want to hear you know what I want to hear about. So I have my assistant go, "Okay, at minute fifteen, he talks about his old agents and money and deals." Uh, yeah. Okay, I want to go right to that. But yeah, yeah, Dean's his personality. I, I loved his. He's so funny and, and a lot of the guests you have. So thanks again. I appreciate it. Oh, by the way, you're not here, but I brought you a family T-shirt. Oh, thank you so, so much. Bro. I'll leave this here for you. They could ship it to you. Epic, oh, it's man. kind of a selfish plug. No, no, no. I hey. want you to wear it. When you have Lucas, when you have Lucas on, I want you to wear this. <laughs> oh, dude. I will I will happily and proudly wear that t shirt when Lucas is on. Oh, that's All awesome. Right. No, th- thanks so uh, much, mate. You you're you're a legend and I, I really All appreciate right. it. I appreciate the words. Thank you. See you, brother. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Really enjoyed that one with Steve Astafin, and I'm sure that is a to-be-continued episode. There's so much more stuff uh, that we didn't go into, uh, but I really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, Once again, there is a member feed of this podcast that comes out on the day that we record the show, so you don't have to wait for us to do our regular posting schedule uh, for the platforms like youtube and instagram uh so basically we record the show do a member intro and then bang it goes up uh the same day that we record it it's been quite a enjoyable process if i'm honest uh one of the things that i i guess it always frustrated me a little bit was just how long a podcast lingered uh unedited and unposted um in between when we recorded it to when it actually went up and it's very liberating and it makes me feel uh like a a load's been lifted off my shoulders in a sense to just be able to record it and post it for the people that um that really want to listen to these as we do them um and then we just get on with the uh with all of the editing and subtitles and ads and all the rest of the stuff that we have to do uh to put them up on those platforms so not just that, uh, I'm also enjoying just the fact that we can be a little bit more creative on the website with thumbnails. We don't have to do clickbait. Like we can just kind of post the content um, in its raw form. Uh, and it's also a place for us to be able to post more of the projects that we, we love making. So we've got the 125 build um, that's on there now. We've got the 350 build and we've also got the uh, island hopping where I went from Bali to Phillip Island to ride uh, the Ducati day. That was a really cool experience. Uh, and we've got the Cape trip coming and some other stuff coming as well. So if you guys want to head on over, I would appreciate it. Uh, if not, the podcast stays free all the time uh, and it will just come out kind of when when every uh when all the video assets and stuff are done editing so thank you guys very much i appreciate your support always uh we love bringing you guys this podcast and until next time have a good one why why if you have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why Why? good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion 